Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. You are listening to the Flagship Podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. That star-making performance. The show did... She's not the show's wrong. Doing point, the show's doing point one ones. <laughs> Nobody watches the show. Less people watch the show now than were watching it before her star-making performance. And Rich Crage. I like you're indifferent on apples. That's what a, what, a, what a great fruit that you're just letting go by the wayside. What is your fascination with apples? They're fantastic. It's the fall. It's the apple season, man. And we are live on the flagship podcast. I am Rich. He is Joe. Joe, what's happening? Um, I usually ask you this off the air each Thursday, but um, can I interest you in Buccaneer Raven updates? Live Buccaneer Raven updates. Um, normally, no, because I don't really care, but... Uh, with the added caveat of ten, uh, Tom Brady like ruining his entire life for this mediocre Bucks team, I think I'm into this. this I, I did say in the no dope chat room, we had a few people talking about it. I said that might be the thing that gets me back in the NFL is Tom Brady ruining his entire great life that he had, married to a supermodel, millionaire, f- great family, all that sort. Ruining all that for like a, like a like they're 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 less than mediocre, right? Aren't they like truly bad? The the Buccaneers, they are three and four. All right, so that's out the mediocre, but ruining it for mediocre is 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 just as pathetic and sad. So, um, no, not really. I'm still not interested in updates, but um, more so than usual, more so than Commanders Bears or whatever you offered me last week. So, but you're a Bears fan, uh, am I? <laughs> I've watched a full Bears game in at least ten years, maybe more. Uh, since I've sat down, clapped my hands together, and said Bears football, here we go. <laughs> you know, it's been. Quite a number of years since I did that. So I, I think the last time I did that was, and you might recall the year it was, um, the uh, Bears and the Packers in, I think, the NFC Championship game? NFC title game? I don't know what that was, what, what that would have been. 2009, 10, somewhere in that range, maybe? Would this be a Cutler year or yes. a Kyle Orton year? Uh, this was a Cutler year, for sure. Okay. All right. Um, listen, you got to support the team. <laughs> do I? Yeah. I definitely do not. No, I do not have to support. support the team. I do not have to support the Chicago yeah. Bears. Why? Okay. Yeah. What have they done for me? What have, What have the Chicago Bears done for me? A man born in 1987. What What have the Bears given me? 
they provided you hours upon hours of entertainment. Oh, did they? <laughs> and enjoyment. Curtis Enos? Uh, I had to watch Curtis Enos and Cade McNown in my formative football years. No, they didn't provide me any entertainment. Well, they, I mean, Sexy Rexy went to a Super Bowl. <laughs> sure. That's... Surely you recall that. I was, I was, see, at that point, I was already pretty jaded, and it was going to take a lot to get me back. And uh, and, and Rex Grossman leading uh, a Bears team to the Super Bowl did not do it. Nor, nor like, I did get a little bit of joy when they just got absolutely destroyed by the Colts. Uh, it, not even Peyton Manning. Some running back. Wasn't it Dominic Rhodes? Is that, am I remembering that right? Dominic Rhodes is, like, the reason the, the Colts won that Super Bowl? It's a real person, Dominic Rhodes. He had a great game. So did, he, did he have a? Did he? Have, I think he had a good Super Bowl. So I don't remember the particulars about that Super Bowl. Yeah, I I, I do just because the the grief that all my friends and family were having. But at that point, I had already detached. I detached in like '99. The Curtis Enos years were a little too much for me to, to handle. So and this Curtis Enos uh, anger that you had. <laughs> hey, look, there's what a is... certain there there are Bears fans of a certain age that that I think can can join me. In, in in the enragement that comes from uh the, the just the the name Curtis Enos, or my cousin he... got a Curtis Enos jersey for Christmas one year. I really wish he still had it because it, a it was like hilarious because it just said Enos on the back and I was like eleven at the time so it was hilarious and uh, right. but also like he's just a horrific player just immediately horrific too so kind of just a run of the mill NFL bust right I mean yeah no 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 yeah he there was nothing particularly I I think the problem was at that time I was young and dumb. And that's when you're like, oh, any you know first round draft pick is going to be the reason that this team turns around, and like, it wasn't. And, and I forget. I mean, he wasn't even drafted that high. He was just drafted like a fifth very... overall. Oh, that's pretty high. Okay, he should have been better than he was. He only lasted a couple years. So, all right, fifth overall, you'd be a little bit better than that. All right, so I figured I'll, I figured this out. Curtis Enos broke your heart. That's that's what happened. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, he broke your heart. He broke your soul. He uh, he broke your fandom. Yeah, pretty much. Every fan has a story. Your story is Curtis Enos uh, ended things for you. Pretty much. And then I just bounced around because I was then at that point I became a Madden player. And then I just kind of bounced between whatever Madden team I was, you know, enjoyed playing as at that time. Like I, I, had, that I, I had a brief Buccaneers run where like, you know, cover two, John Lynch era, you know, uh, uh, Buccaneers, Brad Johnson leading the charge. Early Tell Sean King years. Yeah, I enjoyed that one. This is unacceptable. You gotta support the team. I do not have to support the Bears. I don't. Why? Because do, I live near them. No, get out of here. I've been to one Bears game my entire life. I'll never go back again. I've given up free tickets numerous times. I'm good. I do not need to support the Bears. You, you don't want to get down to Soldier Field before they knock it down. Nah, nah, it's fine. <laughs> Legendary venue. Eh, is it? George Hallis. <laughs> he didn't play there. Bronco Nagurski. They didn't play there. That's the thing. They didn't play at Soldier Field. Yeah, the hallowed halls of Soldier Field. They played at Wrigley. Yeah. They play all played. None of those guys played yeah. at Soldier Field. That's Red Grange. What about Red Grange? Red Grange. Well, hey, I live, sir. Yeah. I live right down the block from Red Grange Field. Okay. Well, see. At Wheaton Warrenville South High School. I live right, right nearby. So that's, you know. The real legacy, you know. Dick I support Buttons. Red Grange. Trust me. I support Red Grange, but. Uh, Sid Luckman, <laughs> Sid Luck, who still who still is like top five in Bears. That you want me to support a team where that guy is still like one of their their charter best quarterbacks they've ever had is Sid That's Luckman. It's a great player. <laughs> I, I agree, but like, but in the fifties, we should have had some passing records broken by then. But no, not really. Jay Cutler, like three years in, was like the most prolific Bears passer already ever. 
Uh, he's set records that will that probably will not be broken in in, in many many years. So no. you've had some nice quarterbacks come through, oh. Mike. Yeah, Mike Tomzak. Oh, Mike Tomzak, Rick Meyer. Uh, yeah, you know Henry Burris. Remember? Henry <laughs> oh, I Burris? love Henry Burris. Yeah, great, great uh, Madden player, Henry Burris. Yeah, potential. I don't know what happened there. You know, whatever happened. He came, there. He came in an NFL but, Europe legend, I believe. I think he won multiple well, NFL Euro, whatever the hell they called their Super well, Bowl. Well, that tell that tells me it was just poor coaching. <laughs> I agree. I, I'm with you. Hey, every time I put him in on Madden, he was great for me. Good scramble, good blitz came. You run with Henry Burris. I was yeah, I was able to make it work. Who would that have been? Dave Wonstadt with his porn stash? Is that uh, who that would have been? Uh, no, I think you're. That's the Dick Duran era. I, I would say. Okay. I, I think. Uh, right. I think Wani had left already. So. Well, you know, Justin Fields, the grand tradition of Chicago Bears quarterbacks, doing a nice job. Is uh, what's the tone in Chicago? Are they big fans of Eberflus? What uh, it, if see, I turned on? If I turned on <laughs> Chicago sports talk today? Uh huh. After the big win over the Patriots, are, are what are they talking about? I, Eberflus? They Fields? are. They're they're into him. They're they're into Fields showing potential and feeling like he's kind of figuring out something, or them figuring out how to maximize him. Uh, is what I see, but yeah, Eberflus seems to be getting a lot of love right now, and they've had a bad run. They don't of have much talent, and he's and they're three and four. Right, right, so. right, exactly. Because everybody went in saying this is a bad team with no good players, so whatever they do is is gravy. So him getting them to whatever level he's gotten them to, definitely, yeah. The, the Chicago Sports Radio is all in on on, on Eberflus. Are they complaining about the Robert Quinn trade? Uh, that I don't know. I haven't listened um, in in the last couple of days. So if I turn on the sports talk in Chicago right now. I would say these? probably not. They understand. I think they would they're understand like, ah, it's a, a, a team that needs to kind of rebuild in a lot of ways. But, you know, what, what you're getting right now is found money uh, out of them. But, uh, yeah, you probably need to rebuild a, a little bit more. Because talent-wise, they're just not there to compete with the top teams in the National Football League. So. You're listening live to NFL Intelligence. <laughs> yeah, <this> sucks. <laughs> uh, if you turn on... Chicago Sports Talk today. What are they saying about DePaul basketball? <laughs> DePaul basketball. Well, oh man, uh, what are they not saying about DePaul basketball? Is a better question. Uh, They're still not into it, huh? Uh, no, they, the only time they were into DePaul basketball was when I, I mushed them uh, a couple years ago, and they went like they were like ten and zero on top of the world. Uh, and then we went to a DePaul basketball game, me and uh, and, and my friend Dan, who is in the uh, No Dope chat room right now. Uh, and then we ruined their season, and then they've been bad ever since. So. Uh, no, they have not. That was like the one brief period where they were like, ah, DePaul basketball, maybe. That. And then, no, it's already back to, you know. How about Luol Dang and the rest of the Chicago Bulls? They <laughs> <Luol saying no? laughs> They're really excited for Kirk Heinrich, Luol Dang, and and, uh, right. and Andres Nocioni to see what they can do this year. So um, I don't know if I can name a current Bull. You can't name a current Bull. I think you could. No, actually, Zach, no. Zach Levine? There you go. Yeah, you got a current Bull. All right. All right, I can name a current Bull. You got another one? Feeling spicy? We just talked about this guy a couple a uh, couple of weeks ago. I brought him up. I, I I incorrectly assigned you as a fan of this man, even though I know you're not oh, a fan of this man. Judd Bushler. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's Judd Bushler. UCLA. <laughs> Judd yeah. Bushler. Um. Hmm. Can I name another? We talked Chicago about. We talked about ball. this guy maybe three or four weeks ago. For no reason, I don't even remember what the context was, but. It's one of the few oh. NBA players I know you still know. Franz Wagner. <laughs> it's not Franz Wagner. No, he's in Orla- he's in Orlando Magic, sir. We talked about him off air, by the way. Excuse me, he's in NXT 2.0. <laughs> Franz Wagner. Yeah, or is that Von Wagner? Um, Von Wagner. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I can't name another bull. Andre Drummond. Andre Drummond. Oh, Andre your boy, Drummond. your boy, Andre Drummond. Yeah. 
Why is he my boy? You I always say that. <laughs> you know why? Because you think he went to Georgetown, but he went to UConn. I think I feel like he went to Georgetown, even though I know. In your brain, he went to Georgetown. Yes, yeah, I've, I've like, Mandel affected it where Andre Drummond went to Georgetown. Right. But he, he seems not. like a he Georgetown was, guy, though, right? So that's a Georgetown he, player through and through. He was a rival of Roy Hibbert yeah. when Roy Hibbert was at Georgetown. I guess you can't have Roy Hibbert and Andre Drummond on the same team at the same time. Oh, that's, God, that's could you imagine? a lot of acreage. That's a lot of <laughs> men that's, in the middle, yes. That's a lot of missed shots at the rim is <laughs> right. what that is. Yes, it that's... is. <laughs> Twin Towers right there. Uh, all right, well. We wrapping it up for this week, or is that <laughs> I think it? we're good. NFL intelligentsia, NBA intelligentsia done. Um, oh, it is the week of Halloween, so we got to do our customary like, hey, what about full size candy bars? Ha ha ha! All right, so then I think we're done. Yeah, I think we're good. I think we got it all. So, all right, well, I'll see you next week. Yeah, have a good one. Yeah, take care. That's uh, tremendous. Could you imagine? That'd be great. Yeah, get the show done in twelve minutes. What would like, I do it myself? <laughs> yeah, well, if 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 truly like, I was like Joe, I, I gotta go. You know, my my computer's broken or my power's out or whatever. what would you do with yourself this night like what would you, how would a, a a joe lanza thursday night without the flagship go well right now i'm doing the flagship and watching this buccaneer ravens game on mute if there was no flagship i would watch the buccaneers ravens game with sound wow that's how wild it busy would get night right here. <laughs> busy night yeah, you wouldn't tell the wife like you wouldn't say, "Hey, let's get ready, put on your finest, we're going out." Like you're you're just gonna sit and watch football. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna watch. At this point, she's already Marvel. resigned to the fate that you're not doing anything tonight. That's Thursday. She knows the deal. Right. She she eats cereal for dinner and <laughs> and and watches some horrible whatever horrible Netflix show she's currently watching. You know what I mean? Um, she's really into the Costner gimmick, what, the Yellowstone. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's in <laughs> the, the Costner gimmick. Yeah, she's into that right now, okay. heavily. Something else too that I don't She she finds these obscure shows on Netflix and I'm I'm just like, "How do you watch?" Yeah, I get like, I get a lot of those too. I, I walk into the bedroom and it's just like this really weird show and I'm like, "Hey, what's this?" And she's like, Shh. "You know, I get I get shushed right away." And I'm like, "All right." right, right. right I'm like, right. "What is this thing?" She's like, "Uh, it's hard to explain." <laughs> and I watch like 8 minutes of it and it looks dumb. And then right. Go in the you you watch stuff. it and you you know within like four minutes it's atrocious and you can't it's unwatchable. Like immediate like those kind of shows where it's just you know, you immediately know it's bad. Like, but she finds them and, and she enjoys them. Uh, you know, I don't know. Um so yeah, she probably would be annoyed if there's no flagship because I'm gonna interrupt. This is like her night of peace. The kids go to bed, I'm out of the picture, and she's eating her fucking lucky charms. And getting watching high, getting high and watching Yellowstone. Uh, you know, watching the Costner gimmick. Watching the Costner maybe, gimmick. Maybe a quick visit to the garage for you know, <laughs> right, and right. then then the Lucky Charms of enhances. Then, then I was gonna say enhances the Lucky Charms certainly. Right, and then you know she just hangs out in in the in the fucking den where she never gets any time because I'm always in there watching the games, and then you know. Uh, you know, so this is good for her. She would not be happy. If I would say it. Actually, it's it's it sounded like this would be really, really bad if you went down to the end of the head. Hey, I'm free tonight. What do you want to do? She'd be like, oh. <laughs> there, actually, I'm in the episode room, eight of this dumb thing, so I can't stop. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. The chat room, we're talking about the furry dating show. And oh, no. it's not a furry dating show, but it's a dating show where they wear masks of various animals as a disguise. <laughs> so it's so not. They, OK, hold on a minute. It's not a furry show, but they wear masks of animals, which I guess would yeah, not be. OK, that makes sense. That's not f- technically a furry. So, OK. No, see, the idea isn't that they're furries. The idea is 
they're trying to see if they match up without knowing what each other look like. Got it. So it, it's called something beasts. Someone in the chat room will know it's something beasts. And it's actually a fascinating show because they give them these ugly animal masks and they cover them all up. And you're, they, you, you know, it'll be like a goat going out with a dragon and then, or it'll be like a, a bison going out with a fucking, you know, whatever elk. the fuck an elk. <laughs> right. And then they just have to see if they like each other. And then they, they, you know, and then the big reveal, they take the mask off. And you don't know if you're going to get like an actual beast when they take the mask right, off. A real you know horse. I mean? yeah, you're going to get a real horse behind that horse head. The only sexy beasts. That's what it's called. Sexy beast. So the, the, the problem with the show, okay, is the same problem with a lot of blind dating shows. And that problem is all of the people end up being reasonably conventionally attractive <laughs> right it's it's a it's a it's a it's a, a, a it's a, a signed on netflix network dating show everyone's going to be probably pretty hot because yeah, they don't want and they're not allowed especially these days they're not allowed to have an absolute like dog you know take that mask think, off yeah. and then people go like ew gross or the person's like no i'm not gonna date you like they're not gonna do that so yeah everyone's just like a seven so plus. Everyone's just a seven plus, pretty much. Right? right. They're all, yeah, they're all like inherently, there's no risk. So th- there's no risk in saying, yeah, I want to meet the person because at worst, you're going to get an <clears throat> average looking person that might not be your type. It's, it's like that's the worst case scenario. You know what I mean? It should be you mix in some like true wildebeests in there, like some awful looking people. And then everyone, then they should be like forced to have sex. Like that would be interesting because then like there's risk involved. You know what I mean? Like now, oh man, you know, based on her voice and everything else, I thought she was really hot, but she is a fucking train. She's a tire fire, right? right. And so you at least have to go on, on five dates or no, you got to go on right. a minimum of five dates or whatever. And, and... Got to go on dates, got to kiss on the lips, you know, uh, you know, then there'd be some risk, but there's no risk because everyone's reasonably attractive. So, I mean, what the fuck is the, the what's the drama? Where's the drama involved, right? I also think when I watch Sexy Beasts that – and I have this theory too, and my wife agrees with me. The uglier the animal head that they give you, the less likely you are to get picked. Human nature, like it still comes into play. Like the cuter animals get picked more. (laughs) Interesting. Okay, wow. All right. Like if it's like a – like all the animals are meant to not be attractive, but – it's all on a – everything in this world is a scale, right? So like if the, the, the slightly less ugly animal heads or, or the ones that slip in that are kind of cute, like if you get like a cute bunny or fucking something, they tend to get picked more than like the really – like if it's a fucking wild boar with fucking moles all over and everything. Like that, it don't get picked because human nature still – you can't kick the idea that I'm talking to someone who's really ugly right now and it influences the decision. So there, there, there's still that psychology part of it. Interesting. Too. Okay, I'll never watch the show, but uh, it has me slightly intrigued. Of all, of all the dumb dating shows, this one, I, this, I don't know. This one's got me a little, little interested. I, I have no, no need for like the, you know, we don't meet each other, ninety day fiance. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. I have no need for any yeah, of those. Yeah. The sexy, I don't know. This kind of has me a little, slightly, slightly. Now, see the, slightly the, the intrigued. Ni- the ninety day fiance people. Some of them are really ugly. Like those are, that's the ninety day fiance. They don't target attractive people it's like walking into the dmv you're getting everything (laughs) right okay so that show you know you're getting a a mix there's some of them are attractive 
Some of them are fucking, you know, look like they've been in a fire. It's just, you know, it, it's all, it runs the gamut, you know, uh, social outcasts, like everything. But yeah, this show, yeah, they do it like they they take great lengths too. Like they, you're fully covered. You don't even know what race the person is. You know nothing. Like they're wearing like long, they got furry arms, like whatever animal that, like if you're a lizard, you got like lizard skin arms and hands, or if you're oh, furry, so you go all out. You they, they, you don't know anything. Like you don't see their you know, full body and everything, and you have no clue. Yeah, they're like they're even their body shape in some ways is kind of obscure. Like you know nothing except the conversation. Wow, okay, right, and and it's a fucking wild boar and a unicorn having a <laughs> conversation UK, with each other. NXT UK superstar wild boar. And that's right. That's right. Is he still employed, so, Wild Boar? I forget. Oh, I can't. I don't remember either. Wild Boar. I forget if he was one of the ones that got cut or if he's in like limbo. Wild Boar. Ah, it turns out when you look up Wild Boar on Google, it does not come up with the pro wrestler Wild Boar. It first comes up with a actual Wild Boar. Um, as far as I can tell, he's still employed. No, no, hold on, no. No, I think bookings. they got rid of him. No bookings at. Bookings underscore wild underscore boar <laughs> underscore pro at hotmail.com. I feel like the more underscores. <laughs> That's too many underscores, man. And symbols you put in. How many the, other the, wild boars? I just put wild boar wrestling or wild. Like how many bookings underscore wild underscore boar underscore pro rest at, at for, okay. Wild boar bookings. Is probably available, right? With no underscores. Bookings underscore wild boar, probably available. Bookings underscore wild underscore boar at hotmail.com, probably also. Did you really need to add the pro rest? Do people need to know for sure that they're booking the wrestler wild boar and not another wild boar? Like, has that ever come up where there's been confusion of what wild boar you're booking for your your, your show? The, the problem here, <laughs> okay is I feel like the more underscores and aphorsands and symbols you put in your fucking email, the more easier it is for people to make mistakes and you're never going to get the fucking email. <laughs> right. Like, wh- where does the... Like, they're looking. They're like, where's the underscore go? Like, it's a fucking disaster. Yeah, don't put no underscores. No underscores. Uh, don't, eliminate the underscore. Why does that even exist to begin with? <laughs> what's, what's, the, what's the intended purpose of the underscore? Do you know? I don't know. Um, no, I I'm, don't, not a, yeah. I'm not a typist. <laughs> I don't fucking know. You know? So what is the point? The history like, of the what? underscore. I, I don't, I, I, I'll admit, I don't know the history of the underscore, but now I'm kind of yeah, interested. What's the a... intended use of an underscore? Like, what's the point? I don't know. I mean, may, maybe in the typewriter days to, I, I don't know. I'm not, Did that exist on a typewriter? Uh, like, that's just... also a good question. I, I'm not of the typewriter age, so I, I can't tell you. I don't know if an underscore existed on a typewriter. Were you a, were you a, ty- <laughs> were you a typewriter guy or no? I never did anything on a typewriter. Like, I could vaguely remember them existing, but I never, like, used one. So I, I can't help you out here either. Do we have anyone in the chat who's like 65? Who, <laughs> who watched? If you watched NXT UK Halloween Havoc live this weekend, please let us yeah. know. Let us <laughs> what know. The you probably, yeah. Is there anyone in the chat who's like 65 and used to be like a receptionist or a fucking secretary or something? Can we still call them secretaries or is that they changed that? Uh, to administrative something? assistant, Joe. Okay. All right. Whatever. So are there any ex-secretaries in the chat? 
who are like in their 60s, that underscores exist on typewriters. I would like to know the answer to that and what the intended use of a uh, of an underscore is. You know, the only reason secretary would have become like a uh, identify like a like attached to a sex, right? Is because mostly women took those jobs. So what happens when administrative assistants get associated with women? Then we have to come up with another name again. I don't know. I, I honestly I don't have not thought of it one second in my entire life about it doesn't, you know, because it's still mostly women who take those jobs, right? Like the garbage man. I got my guy Leon who comes <laughs> by on man, Thursdays. Yeah. Yeah, Leon. yeah. Well, Leon, he always has a different partner. Like the guy who drives the truck, I never deal with him like because he doesn't get out of the truck. And then there's Leon, who's I, he's been my garbage man for years. And then he like that guy cycles through gar- garbage partners like Spinal Tap goes through drummers. Like it's a new guy almost every. You think it's Leon's fault? I don't know. Like Leon seems affable. I like Leon. You know, I chat with him. I tip him yeah, on. Yeah, but Christmas. nobody likes you, so it's probably yeah. You and Leon are probably on the same wavelength. That right? I mean, nobody likes me. <laughs> Some people like you. And Leon knows the drill. Like if Leon pulls up to my house, okay, and the garbage isn't out there, they don't cruise by. He knows that my garage is going to bust open any second. I'm going to go running out there, pulling my pants up. So he doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't do the, the quick stop and, and drive by. He knows you're coming. He knows the deal with Joe, right? So he'll <laughs> wait, and then I'll come run it. He'll see that garage start going, and then I'll come out with the garbage. And then you know, I'll, I'll, I like tossing it in the truck myself. Like I, that's. Fun. I tried to do that the other day, and the guy wouldn't let me do it. I had I had oh, something, yeah. and it was heavy, and I'm like, ah, you're gonna lift enough heavy stuff today. Let me do it. And he's like, no, I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, it. probably. You know what? Probably. Some. I'm sure there was some legality or something. He's like, no, 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 I, I, I can do it. I'm like, I, I got it, I got it. If you need it, and he's like, no, I'll, I'll do it. <laughs> Someone probably sued them once already. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because I, I thought he would be like, oh yeah, sure, knock yourself out. But he was very like, no, you can't do that. So. Now nah, Leon lets me toss it right in, but he always has a <laughs> different guy with him that I never get to know because they, they just, it's, you know, it's always a new guy. Your guys the have the, uh, is, the arms. Uh, or does Leon have to get out and, and throw it in there now? Because all oh, my Leon ride, no, he rides on the back. He holds on and he fucking rides. See, that's on the back. yeah, that's classic stuff. My my guy's got arms now. You know what I mean? Like they they like these robot arms that come out and grab them uh, and pour them into the top of the truck. It's it's a little I don't know. It's really? a little cold. It's a little cold. Yeah, it doesn't have the same uh, same. Well, what's feel. Leon gonna do? I agree. I agree. And now there's only one guy that drives mine. So yeah, his partner. You know, in in my neck of the woods, that partner's lost his job. They, they've you know. AI uh, computers have taken over. It's not AI. <laughs> I said AI, uh, but you know machines have taken this man's job, and that's uh, that's unfortunate because yeah, there you always you can't used to be get two that guys. Kinda, I can't get the kind of personalized service. No, I give no, no, no. And the worse yet, arms. worse yet, they still if your stuff's too heavy, they like put a sticker on and send it back. And I'm like, it's a machine. It can take it. I'm sure it can handle the extra twenty pounds that I put. See? You know, come on. Arm. Now Leon will just get it in there. That's what I was gonna say. Leon would just say, "Ah, you know, he'd pull on it. He'd, he'd ru- hold his back. He's probably got a, like a copper fit back brace on or whatever." But he go, "Ooh!" And then you know, he's he, got, he wears a weightlifter's belt. Yeah, exactly. But he get that yeah. thing in there. He get that thing in there for sure. The other thing about getting to know your garbage man is I could sneak stuff out there that isn't supposed to go in the garbage, oh, and he'll, and he'll yeah, take it. Yeah, yeah. You know, because there's a lot of rules. There's a lot of hokey rules. With well, stuff and, you and that's out there. that's what I was trying to do with the guy where I was like, no, I will lift it because it was what I was giving him was way overweight. And I knew it was way yeah. overweight. I knew he was going to know it was way overweight. So I was like, no, 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 I got it. I got it. I got it. You know, I'll do it for you. Because then I would thinking, OK, 
now he will never, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll say, Hey, this guy's cool. Uh, I'll let him go, you know, 20 pounds or 30 pounds over or whatever. Uh, he didn't seem to care. So I guess at least my, my intention on helping him lift it helped him, you know, say, okay, this guy's cool. I'll just do it anyway. Cause he lifted it and he kind of gave me a look like, you know, this is too heavy, right? And I'm like, I know, <laughs> I know. So, um, yeah, we, we don't have a weight restriction, but we do have a six bag maximum per week, which again, my man ignores it because Six I'm nice bag to bag maximum. Okay. Are these going in carts or that you just throwing the bags on the side? Uh, I just put the bags out on the grass. Oh, come on. <laughs> That's why your HOA just, hates you. I, I just put the bags out on the grass. Come on. If, if they want to supply me with a bin, I'll use a bin. Oh, well, they, okay. I, okay. They don't supply with bins. They don't, they don't give me a oh, bin. Oh, well then, yeah. No. Fuck them. Okay. Never mind. And, never mind. The and it's uh, this guy saying in, in his town, if they see recycling in the trash, they'll, they'll find you and leave it. There. That sounds like very Seattle, which is perfect. Which, yeah, it is Seattle. The guy said Seattle. Um, what's recycling, Rich? They don't even ask us to do that in Texas. <laughs> we just throw everything out there. They take any, we, don't, we don't have a separate bin. Well, or yeah, separate... we're starting to find out more and more as time's going on that uh, the, the, the recycling may have been a little bit of a grift. And not in the sense that, like, recycling things is bad. Like, you should recycle things. But the things that we told people was recyclable really wasn't for a very, very long amount of time. So, um kind of a disaster the whole so my place they don't really give a shit anymore yeah that i it, my area has become a little bit of texas where they're just like fuck it who cares <laughs> just throw it all in the same we'll sort it out but probably yeah. not which is probably terrible yeah. and awful uh, essentially the list of things you can actually recycle is like glass now glass and paper is pretty much all you can um recycle but it takes them so i, I watched i watched a netflix documentary about this actually uh the resources it takes to separate the recycling from the garbage is almost worse than just throwing everything away which is wild. Yeah. Because we've done such yeah. a bad job of educating people on what's actually recyclable. Because for years and years and years, we're like, ah, no, plastic is good. It's like, no, plastic is not recyclable. <laughs> no, who told you that? Um, so at this point now, most garbage facilities have so much shit that they have to, so much non-recyclable things that they have to sift through that they usually just end up just t- throwing it all away anyway. So, yeah. Do you, uh, do you cut your ringed bottle holders for the dolphins? Do I cut my? I don't have any ringed bottle holders. I'll be honest. I don't. I don't drink. Yeah, any. like you get a six pack. Yeah, I don't. I don't drink diet. the soda enough to do it. But uh, <laughs> I guess I. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, that, they they really they really hammered that home when we were children that we should do that. Yes, so. when we were kids for the dolphins. <laughs> right. you know? I, well, I you like get dolphins. A, I, don't want, I don't want that to happen. To you dolphins, get you so. get a six pack of diet right, and uh, you got to cut <laughs> the little rings. So the dolphins can escape, right? They really hammered that home when we were little. That was like a, a all over television commercials and in school. They 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 made you think that we were just killing dolphins left and right, when really it was just that that tuna industry that's killing all the dolphins. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, good. don't get mad at us. You know, it's and and yeah. well, and and one of the things they bring up in the documentary, great great documentary. You should definitely check it out. I forget what it's called, and I have no idea what it was uh, named, but. Um, they mentioned that one of the, the the key components, one of the key drivers of the ads about how you should recycle. There's the one of the uh, you know the Native American crying when he looks over at the garbage dump or whatever and saying, "Oh, you should recycle more." Was the plastics industry were big on uh, saying, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, now nah, plastics recyclable. Buy more plastic. It's great." So, you know, well, what's it's the big plastic? Know? It's all big plastic, man. Uh, so somehow they're making money off that. Well, they're making money because you're. You, there was a phobia. Hey, let's not all get plastic because it's not recyclable. And then the plastics oh, industry was I like, see, no, I no, see. it's recyclable. And then like yeah, thirty years yeah. later, everyone's like, it's not recyclable. Why <laughs> did everybody believe it was recyclable? So but they're they, not reusing the plastic. They're not. No, no. It's 
Garbage. See, I'm not up on my recycling. Yeah, I you gotta watch this recycling it. documentary that I, I watched. Yeah. Uh, at one point, so recycling documentary. I have no idea what this thing was called. What a dumb show this is. I was anybody. What about the aluminum cans where it says two cents for resale or whatever? Is that still a thing? Oh yeah, yeah. It depends on certain states uh, where you go. But Michigan, every time I buy a, 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 I will go to Michigan. I will buy soda because you could throw it back in on the. Uh, you go to a, a, your Meyer or whatever the, the local grocery store is, and they have a little machine, and you run the, the cans through the machine, and, and it knows if you bought those cans. Because if you, if you think you're going to be slick and bring Illinois cans into Michigan, they know. Because oh. I tried. Trust me. My dad's like, oh, hey, let's try this. It spits that thing right out. It's like, this is not you're a trying to hu- You're trying to hustle for the two yeah. cents can. <laughs> right. Well, I, well, yeah. Has, does anyone doubt the cheapness of this man now that I've been talking <laughs> look, about for look. years and years? 25 cents is 25 cents, man. But um, no, it spits it right back out. It, it knows they're not true Michigan aluminum cans. So. so what is it? Is this like a coin star, but for cans? Yes, exactly. What the fuck? I've never seen anything like yeah, that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what states uh, uh, participate in the can recycling uh, gimmick, but it's it's kind of fun to do. I, I won't lie. Wow. Well, it's fun. Yeah, right. You just want the 88 cents. <laughs> well. you, you want, here's what you want. You want the eighty-eight cents, and you bite the quarters when they come out of the machine to make sure they're real. You do the gimmick where you bite the coin. Well, there could be chocolate, right? You never know. Like in every like movie that show that that you know where it's like supposed to be like eighteen eighty, and you have to bite the gold yeah, coin hey, to make sure yeah. it's real. <laughs> like that's what you're doing with the half dollars that come out of the fucking uh, <laughs> come out of the the coin star for 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 aluminum cans i could totally see you doing that and then creaking open that wallet of yours get the wd-40 out so you can get that wallet open and you drop the coins inside the wallet and uh you know you probably deposit you probably go to your bank and ask for a deposit slip <laughs> and open up my- <laughs> yeah, right. and and deposit the 88 cents in the bank is what you do and then you then you curl your mustache and you and you go on your way like a little golem that's what you are you're you're People don't understand the the, 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 the the cheapness of this man. I'm going to expose you again. All right. Listen to this story. Uh-oh. Rich has a TV that is broken. There's dead spots all over the TV. There's three okay. spots that are a little purplish. Three spots that are okay. a little purplish. You work a job and make a solid middle class wage. Your wife works a job and makes a solid middle class wage. Don't don't try to fool me either. Those nurses get paid incredible money. So you uh, she's not you a nurse have, anymore, man. She's above the nurses. She's, well, she is. Yeah, she's making more yeah. money than the nurses now. You so. guys go on nineteen vacations a year. <laughs> You've got two late model German vehicles in the driveway. You have this voices of wrestling thing, the Patreon. Uh, I I think I sent you about. Four hundred and seventy-eight thousand dollars in Patreon funds uh, a couple of weeks ago. Yet, despite all of this, okay, we're chatting up in, in the Voice of Wrestling Slack about your dumb, broken TV, and we're all suggesting TVs to buy, and you are in there like a thousand dollars. Ah, I can't spend. Are you kidding me? I, I need something more affordable, Rich. You are the cheapest man alive. Will you please just go <laughs> buy a TV and stop watching a TV that has 19 dead spots in three, it? Three. I mean, for God's sake. Travis yeah, brings I up a good like, point. We also have the AEW money, too. Tony Khan paying us $150,000 a month, I think it was. Yeah. For the Voices of Wrestling. Yeah. And and meanwhile, you're trying to sneak Illinois aluminum cans <laughs> through a Michigan Coinstar machine. Okay. 
<laughs> Go buy a fucking TV. Every dollar counts, man. Yeah. Uh, will you treat yourself, please, to a TV? You know what you're gonna. I know what you're gonna do. You're gonna. You know, Black Friday is around the corner. Of That's course. what you're doing. Yeah. 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 Okay. Of course. I can read you like a book. So you're waiting. You jotted down all of the models that we suggested. Correct. Like the model of television, right? Yes. And you, you've. You've got them in your little gimmick this for the just, alert. This just sounds smart. I can't understand what's wrong with this, but go ahead. Right. You've got them in the little gimmick for the alert, and uh, and you're going to see which ones come up on Black Friday, and you're going to buy the cheapest one available. That's what you're going to do. Yeah, you don't, you, sounds about good. Yeah, sounds right. You truly don't care about the specs or any of the other shit that you pretended to care about when we were talking about this. You are just waiting for the first <laughs> one to pop up on that Black Friday deal so you can spend as little money as possible. Meanwhile... You and the nurse are probably planning a vacation to fucking Nepal to climb fucking Mount <laughs> Vesuvius or whatever it is I in fucking Mount Nepal. How, how do you not know where Mount Vesuvius is, sir? Fucking Mount Everett. Uh, where, where's Mount, Mount Vesuvius? Hold on, Joe Lanza. Where's Mount Vesuvius? I'm not a fucking mountainist. It's in okay? Italy. I don't know. It's in Italy. Of all the mountains, yeah, you should know it's that one. Yeah, I'm not a. I don't go mountain climbing. I don't know. Of all the of of every mountain, you should know. You should know Mount Vesuvius, right? I so Mount Everest. I mixed up the stupid mountains. Okay, that's where you're going probably for your next trip. (laughs) Too too cold. Too cold. You go. Oh, you went to Iceland. (laughs) I took go to Iceland and Alaska. Yes. (laughs) This is ridiculous. Okay. Jeez. Too tall. Too high. So I don't want to hear this shit that you can't afford a TV. Everyone (laughs) knows you can afford a TV. You can go to Best Buy right now and buy any TV in the store. Well, maybe not like the. There, there's the, some the there, yeah. There's some there. Yeah, 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 yeah. You probably can't swing like the twelve thousand dollar. I don't, you know, I'm, you know, that that no one needs that, honestly. But any reasonably priced TV, you can you can do it right now. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> Why do you live this way? It it's works. unnecessary. <laughs> it's worked. It's worked okay for me. It's, it's less. It's worked for thirty five years. You so. can't take it with you. Rich, you cannot take it with you. I don't have that. I mean, I don't know that much. So, oh, oh my god! Listen, you can't pull the wool over my eyes. <laughs> I don't okay? think I'm dying anytime soon. I think I have a little time to go. So, I analyze money for a living. I know what you got going on over there. Okay, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> Please, you could. The point here is again, I don't want to get in another man's pockets. That's not what I'm trying to do here. But you can, without question, purchase a TV. TV. I can afford the TV. You can afford a TV right now. You can go on your phone and order a TV right now if you want to, and it, you wouldn't sweat it whatsoever. We all know this. I'm sitting here. I didn't want to bury you in the slack, so instead I'm burying you in front of thousands <laughs> Publicly of in front of many more people, yeah. In front of thousands and thousands of people. <laughs> but you, you really should just buy the fucking TV instead of look, trying to watch around the dead spots. Jeez. That's the other thing. Like they're saying in the chat. Like a thousand's not even a lot for a TV. Like that's like a decent TV. Like you, at, you well, you're someone, at, no, like, no, no, no. Hold that. No, someone tried to send me like a three thousand dollar TV, and I was like, hold it, hold up. I don't need a this, you know, crystal clear, crystal LED. Like I, I, I just need a. I, I'm looking for four K. Is all I'm really looking for. The next upgrade, something four K compact. You can get something probably for a little under because you need it's in your living room, so you need something with yeah. Decent oh yeah, size something decent. Things. Yeah, gotta have something decent. Oh, now listen, you're watching TVs with spots, but now you need something decent. <laughs> well, <laughs> fucking thing. And here's the thing, too. You've been complaining about this TV for years. Don't don't even say it hasn't been years. Because I remember the first time you complained about the dead spots on the TV had to be at least two years ago. Mm. That's possible. That's Come on, possible. man. 
Come on, man. They've become you more could, uh, more obvious. With you could have put ten dollars aside per month, and by now you could have had enough for the TV. Okay, <laughs> this is crazy talk, right? I know, and you guys, you you guys buy the fancy bread. I know you buy that fancy bread that costs like six, <laughs> seven bucks a loaf. You do. You buy that Dave's bread. That's I like do buy the Dave's bread. Below. Yeah, I did. Did we talked about that before? I forget. But yeah, I, I remember you. I, do, see, I take I, note I do, of everything. Yeah, I do buy the. Dave's I remember bread. you mentioning the fancy bread. The it's fancy got, it's bread. got some protein okay. in it. It's got some nuts. It's got some protein. Good stuff. It's yeah. good bread. I'm not denying that the quality of the bread. <laughs> the point here is, you're buying the fancy bread. You could have bought a few less. You could have had the TV by now. All right. You could afford the seven dollar loaf of bread. I mean, geez. It's just you know it's interesting what people are willing to spend money on and not like we all have our idiosyncrasies with what do we spend money on and what do we don't spend money on you notice that like and it's it's it never makes any sense. Well, I had I had like, that like recently with the PS5 where I was like ah you know I I, I do want to get this and I had the opportunity to buy one and then I was like I did eventually buy it but I was like hemming and hawing it and then I was like wait a minute it's like six hundred dollars <laughs> like that's not that much you know what I mean like and I'm thinking of the things that I spend money on that basically equate to 600 like six meals is essentially what i paid for for that ps5 and i'm gonna get way more pleasure than six meals out of that yeah for years i had my ps4 <laughs> for like 11 years like of course like what am i doing here so it's funny because you'll buy the fancy bread right but i know for a fact you buy you go to the dollar store for certain food items too like what what's the mechanism inside of people that make us do that like i am a i am a label whore for most of the items I buy at the grocery store, but then there's some items where I buy the cheapest fucking possible, like paper towels. I will buy whatever <laughs> just is goes the cheapest. right through. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah, but like other things, like like my wife will come home and she'll go pick up, like she'll pick up some things from Walmart. First of all, I'm disgusted that she went to Walmart. I'm like, we are not Walmart people. Go take a shower. That's number one. Number two, she buys like. I forget what it, the Walmart uh, store brand is called. Is it Great Value or is that uh, you're asking Target? Guy. I haven't been at Walmart in many. Yeah, years. I, I'm a, I'm an yeah Target guy. is something I'm an else. Guy, so. But I tell her, I'm like, first of all, you need to go to you need to go to Target because we're Target people. That's number one. Number two, don't buy. You're buying the Walmart store brand on top of it. I can't have this in my house. But yet, I'll buy the cheapest paper towel that is that <laughs> the law allows. You know, it doesn't Which make is sense. In, like, inefficient. It's an inefficient towel too that's why i don't know why you do that probably yeah in the long run i'm probably spending more but i can't pull the trigger on a paper towel pack that's that's 17.99 when there's one there for 4.99 i just my brain can't i can't do it i have to buy the 4.99 one but other items like ketchup i have to have heinz ketchup i have to if it's not heinz ketchup i freak out and i'm like what's going on did, did I, i'm worried but like like, why did you buy hunts? Did you get laid off? Did the bank fire you? Like, what's <laughs> happening? Why are we not? We're Heinz people. But there, there's other items where I'm like, just buy the cheapest shit. And they, and like, that's you with the fancy bread. And then you have like other shit where you're just like, well, I, yeah, I'm not spending any money on that. I got to bring the cans back to the store first so I can, you know. But what is that mechanism inside of people that makes us inconsistent like that? I don't know. Yeah, it's it's a weird human behavior we have there but uh that's there we go so that that 42 minutes of this this is maybe an all-time record of is this the show is this the one we just don't talk about wrestling there's not that much i mean there's some wrestling but there's not that much i i, I we'd be remiss if we didn't yeah i i have to ask you this question and i'm not it's nothing to do with the full-size candy we're not doing that we've done that show 
we've been doing the show for 10 plus years. We've done that segment 10 times. But the new updated Halloween segment that I like is what are the kids? What what, what are the costumes this year? Last year we had Woody and I forget what the girl was. The boy was Woody, right? Yeah, the girl was uh, Wonder Woman, I believe. Okay. Um, This year she is a witch. Oh. And... He got he is Spider Man, but he he makes it a point to let everybody know he is not the Miles Morales Spider Man oh. because he's already he's been that before. This is the Peter Parker Spider Man. Okay, all right, I like so, it. so he, he and he's keenly aware of the difference between the two, right? Oh my! So I he, get corrected. I get corrected constantly. <laughs> so you are living with a okay <laughs> with a Marvel nerd he's, in your house. You're you're living with a, a Twitter user that's correcting you about your Marvel uh, yeah. understanding. Uh, I'll be like, oh, Peter Parker. He's like, I'm Miles Morales. Like, I get corrected. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> constantly on the dopey, sp- which Spider-Man is which. And I still don't even know what Miles Morales is. I don't even know what it is. So um, she is a witch. We we took them. TLB had a work gathering last weekend. So I was dreading that. But we had to go. And um, let me tell you, these banks spare no expense, though. This was some shindig. But anyway. They had a, a costume contest for the children, and the girl is very proud because she won cutest costume oh, for a little witch nice. costume. So say a custom-made put... costume or just a, a bought-off-the-shelf <laughs> the, Spirit the, Halloween? The base is off the shelf, but then she put on her own makeup, and she made her own gimmick, oh, the well, fucking stick. Go. All right, all right, good for her. Whatever you call it, the wand, whatever, I don't know. And then, and then so she wins cutest costume and she's been wearing that ribbon to school all week Uh-oh. <laughs> that she's she's so proud of that so i said did your teacher ask about that she goes no but i told her i'm like wow you've been telling everybody that i and now i can just imagine she's walking up to everyone in that school telling them about this dopey costume contest that none of them care about <laughs> none of them care about they've all not a single won. person yeah. she's telling gives a shit about this costume contest and i just hope very few of them have broken her little heart to tell her, like, I don't care about your costume contest. Because you know how kids can be. Oh, yeah. But, uh, but it's, you know, so she's wearing that to school every day. The boy won nothing for his costume. <laughs> for his so, off, the, off the shelf, off, off the bag, the out, of the bag out of the bag. Well, yeah, yeah. He won nothing, and deservedly so. He deserved nothing, <laughs> and he won nothing, and he wears it every day. He comes home from school, and he puts it on. <laughs> And then he does the Spider-Man pose at the bottom of the okay, stairs. Right. And, you know, like like Okada does the Anoki pose after every match. Yes, now. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the kid. He does the <laughs> Spider-Man pose at the bottom of the stairs with the fucking costume on. With the, It's got the whole the gimmick over the face and everything. So he goes outside and he, like, shoots fake webs at the cars driving by. It's just, he, you know, so anyway, that's that's what they are. All right, um, well, there you go. Yeah, I, I like that we've changed the, uh, the, the Halloween discussion away from, you know, what are you giving – uh, children do it now. What, what, what are your kids wearing? So there you go. Good, good stuff. You know, you know what this is. This is one of them serious XM talk shows that are about nothing, and they just go for three hours and then go home. Yeah, like the Tom like Papa show or whatever. <laughs> Netflix is yeah, a joke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they yeah, talk yeah. about nothing. That show has no basis at all. They <laughs> this hit, is like the, they hit record the... and then they go and then they're done and then they leave and there's been no nothing put into the show, no insight, no thought. Just hit record. Two people talk. Hit stop, go home. No plan. Cash checks. Yeah, <laughs> no plan whatsoever. You ever skim by and hit Cavino and Rich? Cavino that's what they and do. Rich. I don't know what uh, it, I don't know what that one is. You know what it is? It's what we're doing right now. They just talk. <laughs> they just talk. There's no structure. It's just, you know, um, 
<laughs> but the chat room is loving this. The problem is, I don't know if like the the, the listeners. Yeah, you guys, because you guys are, are <laughs> yeah. absolute psychos that give us ten dollars a month. But there are other people out there that do not give us ten dollars a month. They should give us ten dollars a month. FlexionPatreon.com uh, is what they should do. But uh, yeah, most of them probably are are very upset that we are not discussing Larry the Dog or whatever. I mean, to be honest, the wrestling stuff we're going to talk about is barely wrestling either. Like the wrestling stuff is, did a dog get kicked, and is Carl Anderson working or shooting? By not showing up. Like that that that's the rest of the discussion pretty much for the day. And I see Halloween Havoc, which is an amalgamation of wrestling, I guess, sort of, but not really. Ugh. Ugh, I can't wait <laughs> I'd to talk about, about Larry the Dog than Halloween Havoc, I'll tell you that for sure. Well, we're starting with Larry the Dog, aren't we? I think we have to start with Larry the Dog in the quote end. unquote starting. This game is at halftime. <laughs> this game forty seven minutes in. This this Bucks game is at halftime. <sighs> What's the update? How are we doing? Uh, it's 10-3. They're up 10-3. Right, yeah. I'll be done watching Halloween Havoc for the – attempting to watch Halloween Havoc for the eighth time uh, uh, by the time the show's done. Uh, let's start. Yeah, let's start with uh, the latest uh, from CM Punk. Nick Hausman uh, from Wrestling Inc., the uh, man who started this whole controversy in a lot of ways. Uh, not necessarily – not he didn't start of a punk – Saw him, started it that way, yada, yada. You know, yeah, everybody knows the drill by now. Uh, Nick Hausman, Wrestling Inc. Uh, reached out to CM Punk's camp and received a response, and that is up at uh, WrestlingInc.com. Uh, the highlights of the report were, quote, we've been told that AEW has not reached out to Punk since the incident following the All Out Media scrum. Uh, sources indicate that after the brawl, Punk was asked to stay quiet and agreed to do so. Uh, Wrestling Inc. has been told that Punk felt threatened and reacted in a legal way under Illinois Castle Doctrine laws, which allow the use of force in defense of a person in their dwelling. Uh, okay, the- stop. Yeah. How is this his dwelling? <laughs> all of Chicago and Hoffman Estates is CM Punk's dwelling. We we all, if you're from Lockport, Illinois, you just own everything. So, what if you're from Gary, Indiana? If you're from Gary, you know, I would. Most people consider Gary the largest Chicago land area. So yes, it does still count in Gary, Indiana. Okay. So that yeah, the the now arena in Hoffman Estates, a, a good forty minutes from where he leaves now, and a good fifty minutes from where he was born, is indeed his dwelling. So, at that are, time. are are people in Gary, Indiana, Bears fans or Colts fans? Uh, oh, I would imagine they're all Bears fans. All like okay. twenty, all twenty that are left or so are, are Bears fans. I would imagine. All right, you may continue. Okay. Um, at this time, there is no litigation against Punk on behalf of anybody involved. Uh, Ace Steel's wife, Lucy, was in the room during the incident, but has not been interviewed as part of the internal investigation into uh, the matter. Don't worry, I'm going to get to Larry the dog thing. We're going to do that at the end. Uh, okay, follow- stop. Okay, go ahead. They, 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 there's someone that was in the room and they didn't even, they weren't part of the investigation? Per that seems a little sketch to CM me. CM Punk's camp, no. Right, the camp, right. Lucy was not interviewed. Hmm, as all part. right. Of the internal investigation into the matter. Uh, all right, you may continue. Following Hangman Adam Page's comments on the May episode of AEW Dynamite, which, by the way, the, the do you have to? Is this the biggest victory lap you've ever taken ever? This workers' which one rights now? thing. The workers' rights thing. I mean, at the it, time you were saying that, and everybody, I knew, it I knew my, it. myself included, were like, "Joe, yep. shut the fuck up about the workers' rights thing. Nobody cares." Yep. And that is still a central part of all of this. It's yes. you and the guy that said Colt Cabana, and then CM Punk stopped his promo and told him he was a virgin. <laughs> yeah. Like that guy, you two, yeah. that, those two things were the biggest parts of this entire thing was workers' rights and then that one guy that one time saying Colt Cabana. Well, uh, you know, I did take a victory lap forward already. 
But um, I, I, all I have to say is, once again, it's my perfectly honed instincts. I knew something was off with that, with that, with that specific line and that specific promo. There you go. So that uh, so following Heyman Adam Page's comments on the May episode of Dynamite, alluding to backstage concerns about Punk, there was distrust on Punk's end going into his AEW World Championship match with Page at Double or Nothing 2022, and that Punk was concerned that the predetermined match would break down into a real physical fight. I mean, a lot. Okay, so a lot of this stuff from Punk's camp. Punk's camp. Okay. Yeah. Um. It, it, it is good is it it reads like bullshit this one i can kind of understand and and i kind of find it to be believable the guy already shot on him on a promo he he knows hangman went into business for himself on a promo he already doesn't like the guy uh we reported here first and it was later confirmed by uh tons of other sources that they had the closed door meeting after all of that and 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 that was contentious so I don't necessarily know if this part of it is BS. I could see Punk thinking Hangman might want to take some liberties with him. I mean, they hated each other. So, well, yeah, and if we're saying like, you know, do you believe that Punk believed it? Because we're not saying like, was Hangman going to do that? But do do I believe that Punk believed that? Yes. Well, and that's Punk, what I'm saying. Right. I and Punk's, and, Punk and Punk's done that before. That. Like, yeah. if you go back to Ryback, he didn't want to work with Ryback because he thought Ryback at one point was going to shoot on him because of stuff that he said or or backstage. I mean, that's he's always been a guy that's kind of concerned about that stuff. So, no, do I – like, people are – I saw people kind of arguing with this. I mean, there's nothing to argue with. If Punk believed that this was the case oh, – <clears throat> Punk's camp. Well, no, Punk believed. Punk threw Punk's camp. Sorry. <laughs> like, yeah. So, Punk believed it, and he told his camp that he believed it. Um. So whatever amalgamation of it that we want to make. So I totally believe that Punk thought that that yeah. was a possibility, and and you can't I argue with that. That's what he I, thought was going to happen. Well, yeah. I mean, I want to be clear. I'm not saying I think Hangman was going to shoot on him. What I'm saying is I believe that Punk believes that Hangman was going to shoot on, that that he thought Hangman might shoot on him. I, I find that believable. I, I find that credible that he that Punk would believe that. Anyway, you may continue. And then finally, uh, from the perspective of Punk's camp, the scrum itself didn't seem like a big deal. Okay, stop. That is psychopathic. That is absolutely the most psychopathic thing uh, of this entire thing. And to me, we're going to talk about the Larry the Dog thing because that's the part that everybody is is you know whatever people are more concerned with that part or you know whether it's snicking snickering at it or whatever laughing about it or 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 truly concerned or whatever people are very concerned about the dog stuff and worried about the dog stuff to me this is the biggest smoking gun of the entire thing not necessarily the dog and the kicked in and we'll, we'll get to that in a moment but the fact that this guy through his camp says that the scrum wasn't a big deal <laughs> and that things only escalated once they then approached him and we'll get to that in a moment that is, there's no way you could leave that scrum and not think, wow, I just fucking went scorched earth on these guys. Right. Well, I'm going to give you, or, well, this is what I have to say about that. Okay. Much like I believe that Punk believes that Hangman was going to shoot on him or could shoot on him. I also believe that Punk believes that he did nothing wrong in that presser. But that's psychopath behavior. If he can't understand with the benefit of hindsight why what he did at that presser was completely out of line. Forget the elite. Just to Tony Khan. To to yeah, I was just going to say, just to Tony. You know, even if he has no um, regrets over the way he spoke about the elite or other people on the roster, if he at least doesn't see how that was incredibly disrespectful to the guy sitting six inches away from him, that is psychopath behavior. 
But I believe that he believes that. Oh, for sure. Because yeah, I, I, that's again. Punk. Yeah, that's definitely him that, that that would leave that presser and just be like, yeah, I don't know, what, what are you so mad about? What are you so, like, you told, yeah. well, you said we couldn't manage a target. We haven't done shit in the wrestling business when you're in our company. Like, the, the idea that he could leave that and think that nobody would take umbrage or be upset with anything that he said is truly CM Punk stuff. Like, again, from his standpoint, I absolutely believe that he's like, well, what, what, you know, oh, well, well, yeah, you know, like, you know, in, in, in whatever warped reality he has, I told him totally by that he thinks that he didn't do anything wrong, but... That is truly like, especially now with the benefit of seven weeks later of hindsight, that he can't say that, like that it wouldn't be that, that the word here wouldn't be that you know he regrets some of the decisions that he made or whatever, whether he does or not or whatever, just to kind of placate the thing, just to play the game, to say you know I regret, but the fact that he is still seven weeks after the fact, ardent in well, I don't that wasn't that big of a deal. What I said wasn't that big of a deal. Listen, is, is you just get you just get the impression that this is a guy who's a walking contradiction and he never believes he's the asshole. Of course not. Like we've all had moments in our life that we look back on and we're like, eh, I was the asshole. You, you know what I mean? If you're being honest with yourself, if you're a flawed human, like we all are, we could probably all think about our lives and think of times where we were the asshole and we know it now. Maybe we didn't know it in the moment. Maybe we did know it in the moment, but we know it now for sure. I don't think Punk has that in him. Like, he never thinks he's the asshole. And um, he thinks that this was okay to do. But could you imagine if it was Nick Jackson sitting up there? <laughs> right. Right? Like, there's no way he would think it was okay. Because the man's a walking contradiction. So, um, anyway, you may continue. Uh, all right. So, the, the Punk's camp did not think the scrum itself was a big deal. And only escalated once Punk's locker room door was, quote, kicked in. And Nick was was very careful to use, quote, kicked in here. Uh, and accidentally hit Punk's dog, Larry, in the face. At a pre-scheduled veterinarian appointment uh, a few days later, Punk was informed that two of Larry's teeth had been knocked loose and had to be removed. Okay. When I first heard the dog story, this dog story with the teeth, I thought it was so preposterous outlandish, ridiculous, and just utterly insane that I could not disregard it because from my standpoint, it's like for you to make up something like that is completely preposterous and nonsensical because there were like 10 or 12 people in that room. Only two of them were part of the punk camp, right? So you have like eight or 10 or 12 people in the room who could instantly debunk that if the dog wasn't injured. So from that standpoint, I'm thinking, I can't hand wave this as an automatic lie because it would be an incredibly stupid lie to tell. And if it is bullshit, it's going to be debunked immediately. Less than 12 hours later, it was debunked immediately. People started coming out and saying, that's bullshit, it never happened. People told Dave Meltzer that. There's been some other reports that trickled out, but I couldn't disregard that out of hand because it was so preposterous and over the top and easily debunkable that I can't believe that punk or the punk camp would attempt to put that over on people. And it was a pre-scheduled vet visit, which they admit. So it's like this dog was going to go to the vet anyway. Okay. So everyone in the room says it's bullshit 
And then the dog goes to the vet and has loose teeth, and now he's trying to pin the loose teeth on the fight? <laughs> right. My dog... One of my dogs literally five weeks ago went to the vet and got his two front teeth taken out. I don't believe everybody super kicked him or, or kicked in a door. It's just he's an 11-year-old dog and they sometimes lose teeth. It just, I like, mean, it would have come up at some point before if the dog got, was injured in the fight. And, and, and this, is, this is ultimately the thing that, that it comes down to is everybody has debunked that the door was kicked in. That was like an early rumor that came out and they said the door got – and I feel like even – and again, I've, I've gotten so confused on what who's saying what or whatever. And you all have to know what camp is talking to what people and AK, you know, what camp. I'm using camp. You didn't see it, but I made massive air quotes and I said camp, which yeah. camp, the elite camp, the Young Bucks camp and the CM Punk camp, you know, are talking to whoever they're going to talk to. Um, but I, I'm almost positive that the door getting kicked in was debunked even from Punk's camp's side, but is now being brought back seven weeks later as... And, you know, here, here's the thing. If they had... If, if this was truly something that occurred, that that somebody... And, and I don't... I Again, ultimately, I don't discount that the door probably got flung open and it probably hit the dog. You know what I mean? Like, the dog was probably... By, like, I don't, I don't dispute that. That does not seem implausible. That whoever it was, whether it was Kenny or the Bucks or all three or whatever, came into the room maybe open the door quickly and the dog got hit by it and maybe got a little scared or something like that. That, that I do not dispute at all. That, that seems very plausible that would have happened. But from Punk's side, you know, doing this now seven weeks later is all about, like you said, kind of in his mind or in his brain, this, this is how I'm interpreting it at least, giving him that justification for, well, the reason things escalated, the reason I got mad is because they kicked the door and, and broke my dog's teeth. Like that, that's why I did what I did. It wasn't because of the scrum uh, I did what I did, but then also Illinois Castle Doctrine Law or whatever the hell is also why I did. It's just like we're, there's so many things going on in this, and it's so it's 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 so spinning. It's just trying to spin the entire thing. When when the best thing to do at this point right now, if if you're CM Punk, is just say you know I did or just be silent. Just don't say anything at this point. Be like the elite and be like the Bucks, who have apparently been instructed by Tony and AEW. Just fucking don't say anything anymore. We're done with the story. Let's just move on. But like you said, Punk has to win every single argument. He can't possibly not win this argument. So he's going to tell you, well, the reason I took things to another level is because they kicked the door and, and, and broke my dog's teeth. Even though no one has mentioned that before, it's not been brought up exactly. It, it, it's it, it's just, I don't know, it comes across just so bizarre. But it's it's this guy. I mean, it, I'm not surprised at all that this his, his camp, sorry, that's coming up with this. Yes, the Punk camp. Um. Look, the, the whole kicked in the door thing, I think people spend way too much time deconstructing <laughs> that and talking about it. It's just a euphemism for a door being opened aggressively. Is it is it really that implausible that the door was opened aggressively? No, I of mean, course come not. on. No, I know, of course. It, you know, I thought they to... said ding ding ding, they hit the door and said, uh, Punk, can we come in? And they're you know, like Yeah, I'm sure that's not how the door got opened. I'm sure it was you know, Flung hey, that's up? Punk's room. Bam! You know, with the with a little bit of a four, I I can see it right now. How that? Yeah, and then open. people use turns of phrase, and it just you know, and then people are picturing the Bucks setting up a double <laughs> super kick. kick. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Kenny V triggering the door open. You see, the problem with a lot of this is people pick sides, and then every detail yeah. of this thing has to be spun to support the side that they've picked. When we all know the world and life isn't like that. So you have these AEW freakazoids and these elite fans and these Hangman Page fans who just cannot accept that the elite or Hangman Page was wrong in any way with any of this. They're just pure angels, Rich. They're just 
great guys and they're angels and they never did and none of they're not culpable for any of this all because punk is the evil mean man who came in from the outside and ultimately was the one who was more wrong in the situation which i think we all acknowledge but it's these things like oh the door couldn't possibly have been kicked open the bucks politely knocked and then asked if they could enter and then gently i'm sure that door was flung open oh absolutely yeah okay okay I'm sure Hangman Page was a passive-aggressive dick in the closed-door meeting. He went into business for himself on TV, okay? You can – you can. there's always shades of gray. There's always uh, multiple perspectives, okay? And, and I'm not saying that Punk isn't wrong here or that Punk should be allowed to come back to the company or that Punk didn't burn the fucking bridge that night. But that doesn't mean that Punk is 1 million percent wrong and the other guys are perfect angels. And that kind of makes – that frustrates me. That annoys me because I hate when people look at situations like it's not that's not what grownups do. Grownups don't pick a side and then craft their arguments around that side. Okay, that's that's emotional immaturity to approach things that way. So I don't know. That part of it is always so off putting to me where no matter what new detail comes out. You know, people have to spin it to where the people that, that the side they're supporting. Uh, was in the right, and the other side was in the wrong. And I suppose there's punk people who do that too, to be fair. But um, but anyway, the dog thing, uh, you know, I, Which, I, can, I can I also point out that like having sides in this of these people you've never met before. Yeah, why do you even have a side? That's another good point. <laughs> like I don't. Yeah. I've never been that way, and I guess that's why we differ uh, in a lot of ways. Like we and we've said that before. Like on the show, one of the things that's made this show this show is that we can adapt and and change to whatever's like. Whatever wrestling company is is interesting us at this time, or whatever, whatever uh, type of wrestling is interesting us at this time, whatever wrestlers are, I'm not behold, I'm not beholden to any one company or any wrestler. But like the idea that you would say, well, I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm going to take the Bucks side. I don't know. I've never met any of these people. I don't care. I like what they do as part of their profession, but I'm not going to be like, you know, it, it's just, it's so weird, but people do. I mean, people do. And then they, their, their, their identity is wrapped in like a wrestling promotion or a wrestler. And it's just, it's not a, I don't know. It's not a very healthy thing to do. I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, the dog thing, I was open-minded to it at first because then you, you also had some, you know, circumstantial evidence, like the early stories that Kenny Omega tried to save the dog. And then you're thinking to yourself, oh, well, maybe something did happen to the dog. And maybe that's where the Omega, you know, trying to get the dog out of there thing started because maybe he tried to, you know, recognize the dog. So you start like, you know, putting pieces together, but then it people immediately start to debunk it. And I don't think that the people in the room who are debunking this. And we, look, it's, we all know the, the 10 or 12 people who were in the room because we know who was suspended. Okay. So are any of these people going to put their reputations on the line and go to Dave Meltzer or whoever else and say, look, I was there and nothing happened to this fucking dog. If something did in fact happen to the dog. No. Why would, why would you, you're not going to say that. You're just going to say nothing is what you're going to say. If that, if that part of the story is true. You're not going to offer up and vehemently deny that something was wrong with the dog. Because, again, if you know that the dog really was injured in that room and you're denying it, that's that's something that you can get yourself in trouble for. Or Because Punk obviously has already been litigious here and threatening to sue everybody and everything else, citing laws that don't even apply. So um, that's how I was basing this. 
if nobody debunks it, it's probably true. If it gets debunked by the people in the room, it's it's probably some bullshit or some head cannon that Punk made up in his head just to try to justify his own actions here. Right. So, but, but but did so, and and the weirdest part about it is doing it doing so seven weeks later, saying, "Well, yeah, actually, you know what? The reason why this whole thing started is because they they broke my dog's teeth." Or like, if if that was truly something that even at the time he thought happened, if he if he thought that those guys came in there. And they knocked my dog's teeth out, or they hurt my dog, or whatever. And that's the reason he started that fight. Like that—that's something that I—I am—I I do not believe that would not have gotten out until seven weeks later, once the elite are about to come back and the investigation is over and all that sort of stuff. I—it's it, just—it's all too weird. Or even then, like, it's just—it's it, all trying to justify what, what happened. And and I have no doubt the dog probably got involved in some way, like you said, like the door opened or somebody hit, you know, bumped into the dog, or the dog was just—you know—people fight like. You know, we'll, we'll, you know, the nurse and I will kind of play fight and the dogs, our dogs go nuts. Yeah, I don't know about yeah. your dogs or whatever. Like, yeah. I'm sure the dog was going nuts. And, and, you know, the, the stories, like, I, I, again, I don't know about the Kenny Omega stories, but, you know, for everything I've learned, I think Kenny Omega is a pretty good guy. I could see him going, like, oh, hey, hold on, hold on, guys. Let's get this dog out of here. Like, you know, I could see Omega. Well, all being this a stuff is going on because he doesn't truly care that much, I don't think. Like, I don't think he really is that mad at punk, but he's probably backing his guys up. But if the dog's, like, yipping and stuff, he's probably like, whoa, 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 guys, come on, get the dog. Like, get the dog out of here. Like, yeah. you know, this dog doesn't yeah. need to be involved in this. Like, I could absolutely see Kenny grabbing this dog and trying, you know, handing it off to somebody and getting it out of the room. That, that just that that seems very on brand for for Kenny for sure. I mean, I don't know. I can totally see and understand Punk's point of view that he was totally frustrated with this Cole Cabana shit never going away and constantly being thrown in his face and the way he perceived it being accused of all this Cole Cabana shit and him being annoyed about that and frustrated and the workers' rights thing, which was clearly a reference to to Cabana. Yeah infuriating him while also at the same time recognizing that punk was completely out of line with how he handled it at the presser and, and after the presser. I think it's an adult I don't, way to look at it. That's an adult but I don't understand why people aren't capable of acknowledging <laughs> well, both of those things. Because I am a stan. I love the Bucks. All you know, wrestling. I don't know. I don't know. That I don't understand. You know, and it's like and I could totally understand why the young Bucks would want to confront CM Punk that night. Because CM Punk said, if you got something to say to me, come he said say it. it to my door is always open. Is yeah. He said. <laughs> so, you know, they just got, you know, publicly fucking destroyed by this guy. I can totally understand why they'd want to go confront this guy while at the same time acknowledging that I could totally understand that they probably weren't calm about it. And I'm sure that door wasn't gently opened. Yeah. Tink, uh, tink, excuse as we me, said. Mr. Punk. <laughs> yeah. To, to, are, Phil, can we talk? <laughs> are you here? Are you here, <laughs> sir, Mr. Punk? Remember Tony Khan used to call him Mr. Punk? I do remember that, yeah. That kind of stopped. I wish it didn't. Um, probably ain't happening now. But um, it might in court. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you could acknowledge – you know, where people went right and where people went wrong in this thing, while also favoring one of the sides in terms of weighing the evidence against each other. And um, this is just one of those weird things where it, it seems as though a lot of people have just taken an all or nothing stance on one side or the other, mostly on the elite side, because, I mean, Punk really was far more out of line than than they were with a lot of it. I mean, he well, just and, and, the, and the stuff that Punk did was was obviously more public and and obvious. Yes. Like there's there there I'm sure there are things that the Bucks did over time to annoy Punk and and you know he also presumed that they were the guys that were floating you know different stuff to to you know 
to different news sites and the dirt sheets and all that sort of so you know i mean like i get from his standpoint or, or, or at least from Punk's standpoint or other people's standpoint, the Bucks probably were not completely innocent in this again, but the stuff that they did wasn't as public, whereas Punk's thing was as as public and as loud as, as humanly possible. It was there for the whole world to see. And we know that Punk was dead wrong on some of his assumptions because he accused Nick Hausman of something that Nick Hausman didn't do. Yeah. You know, he got it wrong immediately. He thought he had the big... Gotcha. Yeah, he, he went into that presser saying, I'm going to get this guy, and then I'm going to go off, and then his first right. thing fucked up. And, up <laughs> and then I don't know if that helped. It probably didn't help matters. I, I think it was probably going to go the same way no matter what, uh, but the first thing he tried completely blowing up in his face probably didn't help matters. Blew up in his face, and now that it's out there, because Meltzer said it on his audio this week, I think on today's audio, and we do this show live on Thursdays, that Punk did apologize to Hausman. And I knew that weeks and weeks ago because somebody who knows Hausman told me that. But I, out of respect to how I didn't know if Hausman wanted that out there. You know what right. I mean? So you know, I didn't talk about that here or um, or anything like that. I, um, and I didn't tell anybody because you know. But but now that's out there, so Punk knows he fucked up with the Hausman thing. You know, and 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 that might be why Punk's camp is giving Hausman the story here. You know, maybe there's a little guilt there. All right, I fucking shit on you in public. I'll throw you the bone, Wrestling Inc., on uh, on, on on our side here. Um, but uh, but yeah, look, it's funny because you and I used to talk about whether AEW should pr- pursue CM Punk, and we were of the opinion that you know you're really letting poison into your company. Yeah. It's tempting, but it's poison. You know, I remember those conversations we had. Right, from a business, and, and we said, you go back and listen to it three years ago. We'd say the business side tells you yes, because the yeah. guy is going to draw business. But the personal side, the, 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 how he interacts with your locker room, how he interacts with your leadership, that is always has the potential to blow up and, and be disastrous. And, you know, we were kind of really on the fence with it, and, and then he comes into the company and – he worked us too because then our even we were like remember we did a show where one of the topics was should we apologize to punk right yeah this this happy man has has finally found purpose in his life and is finally happy for the first time and and he's just he's ready to be here and he's got a new lease on life and he's going to put the young guys over yeah we did that entire show it was like 2 hours of us apologizing well, like, for man, thinking he this guy was wrong <laughs> right right he proved us wrong he's he's helping talent he's he's uh he's in he's all smiles. He looks like he loves his life. This is a great thing for him. And he's then sleeping again. It looks like he's in good shape. He's sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> and it took roughly a year for it to just flush down the toilet. A big theme of my dynamite review this week, which is behind the paywall now on the $5 tier is punk is just one of those people. And we all know someone like this. Hopefully you don't know too many of them, but we all have known people like this in our lives. He just has a black cloud following him around. It's just there's this black cloud of negativity. There's this black cloud where it, it eventually the relationships fall apart. He just has this black cloud that trails him. And, you know, I've had people like that in my life. And, and you just eventually that's just who they are. You got to cut them out because it, it, it never eventually that black cloud casts a shadow and ruins everything around it, including you. If you're in their vortex. Mm-hmm. With the drama and the negativity and the bullshit. 
And he's just one of those people that has a black crowd, black cloud following him around. I, you know, I don't know what it is, but that's he's just one of those people. And at the end of the day, our initial assessment of you're letting poison into your locker room was the correct one. And this is just who he is. He's 45 years old. All right, it, it, this is who Phil Brooks is. Right. The, the, and, and the, only, and the only time he changed is when he wasn't involved in wrestling. You know what I mean? Like, it, it was, who knows if he did that? Right. I mean, well, right. I mean, like the time away from wrestling made him think that he had changed, but then ultimately, after a year back into wrestling, he he hadn't changed. He was exactly the same person he was before. You know, and and you know, maybe the Cabana stuff did set him off, and maybe he was wrong about some of it. But you know, thought, but he we know he's righteous, self righteous. So it's like. You know, I, I get it. I, I would hate to constantly be accused of something if I feel like I wasn't doing that thing. You know, and if he really wasn't paying any mind to, to Cabana and never wielded any power in regards to Cabana, and yet he's constantly hearing about this. And he's got guys cutting live promos on him about it. I totally understand why that's frustrating and bullshit and really not fair. But. You know, it, it, it's like anything else. The way you handle things can sometimes wipe away your grievance. And he just didn't handle it properly. You know, even if there was no fight, he didn't handle it properly. With that, pre- I mean, that was an orchestrated, you know, attack on Nick Hausman and then an attack on everybody in the room and an inadvertent attack on his boss who was sitting six inches from him. And it's just a poor way of handling it. Yeah. And it, you know, it's it's a situation where you go from you're in the right, but then the way you handle things, now you're in the wrong. Um, and, and that's independent of whatever the fuck happened in that room or whatever the fuck, you know, the, listen, is it really that outlandish to think that the Bucks are passive-aggressive assholes in private? I mean, it's totally plausible. Absolutely. I mean, th- and talk to people who work there. <laughs> right. I mean, they have plenty of people who like them. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, of course. They have plenty of people who like But there's plenty of people who will tell well, you, you some of the like same. you like them, too. There's people that I know that are passive-aggressive assholes, but I still like them. I'm still, like, friend, you know, like, but, yeah, you can call a spade a spade, you know. It's... Yeah, life, relationships in life are, are not black and white. You know, this shit's complicated. You know, we try to make this shit. We try to boil Good it down. And evil, black and white. It's not. Yeah. yeah. And it's just, you know, and I, I, you know, I, I, the last couple of days, I've been reaching out to people in that locker room. And, and, and one, one quote that stuck out to me that someone said to me is, and it's a power, I'm paraphrasing, of course, was, uh, to be honest, I think a lot of us wished everyone was back, meaning including punk. So this idea that, Punk is just a total pariah in the locker room. That's not true either. You know? And I'm not telling you that it's a 50-50 split or everyone feels bad. A lot of people want him gone. There's no doubt about it. But if you think it's everyone, or if you even think it's a, a massive majority, that's just not true. There's a lot of people in that locker room who, to them, none of this shit's their business. And they don't care what this dispute is because they just want to come to work and they like punk and they like the elite and and their dispute is their business and they're just like eh we're over it it's old news to us we just come to work every week now and the elite are back but we kind of wish punk was back too was what one one particular person said to me and he and the phrasing used was we meaning not just this person but people in their circle too you see what i'm saying 
Like we kind of wish they were all back. Right, right. Now, you, now look, Wade Keller did his audio last week, and he had a complete, he had a different perspective. He said the vast majority of people want fucking punk gone. It all depends who you talk to, and everyone has their. It's like any other job. Everybody's not friends, and so it, it just clicks at any job and circles of people who are friendly and people who aren't, people who get along, people who don't, and. You know, depending on your perspective and who you talk to. And one other interesting thing I got while dipping my toes around. And I, and again, it's just my perspective from feedback I got from people. And it's I wouldn't call it a clean line, but there's definitely seems to be a line between the young wrestlers and the old wrestlers on this in regards to how they feel about punk. Where in general, and this is, just, you know, in general and just based on my small sample size. The younger wrestlers tend to be more forgiving of Punk and shoulder shrugging it, kind of like, eh, I don't know, I'd be fine if he's back. And it's the older wrestlers who are like, fuck this guy, get him out of here. Which really, Rich, if you think about it, makes a lot of sense. Because if you're an older veteran wrestler, you've seen this movie before, and you don't want to deal with this asshole anymore. It's like, all right, you know, it's it's this is who he is. This, he always pulls his shit. We're tired of him. And then there's the other aspect of, if you're an older wrestler, you're more likely to be a top guy and when Punk's around, Punk's the undisputed top guy. Right, he's taking your spot. So he's got a spot. He's got the top spot. So that adds up. And for younger wrestlers, it makes sense too because, like I t- <coughs> excuse, excuse me, you're going to have to talk in a minute because my throat's starting to give out. Yeah, no worries. The, uh, for the younger wrestlers, it makes sense too because if you remember I talked about this a few weeks ago, I had someone tell me that the punk, the elite has a reputation among some of being aloof. They don't come to catering. They don't talk to anybody. They do what they're supposed to do, and and then and they disappear. They go home, right? Whereas Punk had a reputation of he wanted to meet everybody. He wanted to. He was available to help the younger wrestlers. He wanted to get to know the younger wrestlers. He would stick around and watch Dark and watch Dark Elevation. He would give feedback and. This one source said the elite that would that's they would never do that, but Punk would always do that. So again, that makes sense that maybe some of the younger wrestlers would be more sympathetic to Punk because to them he was the guy who was willing to help them and, and, right, and right, right. he wanted to get to know them and he wanted to work with with, with some of them and yeah, he, he was giving mention- his knowledge of the business to them and passing on what he knew to them and the advice and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah and he we, would we mention them that, in promos. We, we've and- heard that from a lot of younger wrestlers too in that company. So. Yeah, so I'm not saying it's a clean line. I'm not saying everybody over 35 hates them and everybody under 35 loves them. It's just something I picked up on with getting feedback from people. I was like, you know what? It's kind of like usually the younger guy, younger people are like, ah, well, you know, I, I, I wouldn't mind if he's back. You know, I kind of like him. You know, and it's usually the older wrestlers who are like, nah, he's got to go. It's and, and the other thing is, with age comes some wisdom. And I think maybe some of the older wrestlers recognize that he just doesn't handle things like an adult should handle things. And it, and, it, and ultimately, it could be bad for business. So there's that perspective, too. Uh, whereas maybe some younger wrestlers don't approach life or think about things that way. You know, because younger people are more apt to be like, oh, yeah, that's great. He speaks his mind. Yeah. It, it, but older people are like, All right, listen. There's a right way and a wrong way to handle things sometimes, and he handles things the wrong right, way. Right, especially a few people that have been there when he's done this before. You know, Correct. Not, not, you know, just assuming guys, like, think of guys that were probably in that company in WWE when, when Punk was doing a lot of the same stuff, too, are probably like, 
ah, here we go again. You know what I mean? Like a little bit of, of, of that. It's probably pretty, it's got to be exhausting to share a locker room with Phil Brooks. That's, that's all I'll say. If, if you've done it before, it, it probably does kind of grate on you a little hey, bit. Hey, listen, if Punk doesn't like you, he's probably hell to be around. Just oh, absolute hell yeah. to be around. Right. But, you know, if Punk does like you, you know, he, he's probably a really great advocate to have. And a, and a really great guy to be to be on good terms with. So, again, I just look. I'm not look. I, Punk is in the wrong here, but I just implore people to view things through. You know, not so much of a of a of an of an absolute lens when you look at these. Right. Things. One of these people has to be good, and one of these people has to be bad, and, and and one of these groups has to be right, and one of these groups has to be wrong. It's it's not that. Yeah, and uh, clearly one side was more wrong than the other, and that side it will probably never work for the company again. And you know, it's uh, in the locker room certainly. You know, and, and I I wouldn't describe it as, you know, the <laughs> the tenor in the locker room is a lot better than it was. I think this all this time away, everybody else just went to work and went about their business, and things are kind of good now. Yeah, you know? probably stronger than ever now. You know, and that's one thing that AEW has been able to do throughout its entire career uh, as a company, or its entire tenure as a company, is rally behind things like this. You know, we we talked about it a couple weeks ago uh, that you know NXT was able to rally through the pandemic and this thing that came out of right as they're kind of gaining their momentum, right as they're getting on the TV, all this sort of stuff. Oh, now you have to do these shows from a warehouse. Okay. That's fine. We're going to bust our ass and, 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 and we're going to make sure that we don't miss a single week of TV during this unprecedented thing going on. And then we're going to move to Daly's place. And then we're going to, you know, just continue to, and, and, and did well and grew the company during a period when they probably should not have been able to grow uh, in, in a very, very weird atmosphere and a very weird time for all of us. And then the Brody Lee stuff, where obviously again another rallying thing, where it's like shit, we just lost like, like one of one of somebody that everybody in this locker room loves and adores, just out of nowhere died on like what was it Christmas Eve or, or the day after it was it was yeah Christmas Eve I think right yeah something Christmas. like that it was, it was very close yeah what if it wasn't exactly Christmas Eve uh, I'm sorry if I get the date wrong but around I mean around the but then rallied through that too and, and then it became like another thing of like well now we're gonna do this for him or we're gonna do this for him and his family and and that sort of stuff and rallied through that and then the Cody stuff is probably the, the next one that we have where Cody left and a lot of people probably would have had the assumption that whoa that's a big time guy that has just up and left this company and they just said fuck it and then they had like the best run of TV they've ever had after Cody left like fuck it we don't need that guy look at what we can do without him we're going we're good. And it does feel like that kind of happened again with this punk and the elite guys being out. It was like, all right, you know what? We don't it was a good. Sh- it was a good show without all these people. Yeah. And it's like we talked about last week. I'm not saying it wouldn't won't it wouldn't be a better show with all of them back. It would be, but I genuinely don't think they missed any of them. The shows have been good. I'm glad the elite are coming back. I mean, I wouldn't mind if Punk came back. It ain't my problem if some people don't like them. I'm, I'm a viewer. <laughs> right. From the viewer standpoint, I don't give a shit. Yeah. Right. But, I mean, it's not like to me I, – I, I don't personally think feel like the shows were lacking without any of these people. And, you know, you made the same point with Cody, and it, it, it that really should be a wake-up call to a lot of people too. Like, this thing's going to keep going whether you're here or not. Right. And nobody you know, would have ever assumed that the elite, you know – being away that like, that should have been what would you know stop all the momentum of this entire thing because those are the guys that are the reason this thing exists in a lot of ways. I mean, they're one of the biggest aspects of this entire thing, and and they kind of chugged along without them. You know, instead they gave you know more 
they gave a, a contract to John Moxley. They gave a contract to Chris Jericho. They signed those guys for backstage roles. They signed those guys. You know what I mean? Like it all. They rallied and said, you know what? No, we got these guys. You know, these these are the guys that really make up the the backbone of this entire company. If you guys, you know, if if they never come back, then we'll, we'll be fine. And then, yeah, they'll 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 be okay without CM Punk, and and they'd be okay without the elite either. But you know, now we know that that's not the case, at least for now. Yeah. Well. Fucking Larry the dog. <laughs> Larry the dog. Yeah. Oh, Larry. Larry the dog. Anyway, uh, the elite stuff. Obviously, uh, we don't have to get too much into this because it's fairly obvious we we told you uh, a couple weeks ago that uh things were, were were thawing just by the idea that you were seeing some of these people appearing on videos again and they were being mentioned by name again uh and now we do know that kenny omega and the young bucks were both backstage uh at this week's dynamite uh, uh the video of them aired on the show uh and their return is now imminent pretty much people just waiting for when it's going to happen when they're going to come back and uh, i guess the the big question is you know, how do you in- integrate them back into the show and, and back into the company? Do you, do you, you know, you have to address what happened. You can't just pretend that they were just mysteriously away or whatever, but how much of that do you want to do? Especially if they're, you know, instructed and, and, and according to Dave Meltzer and other people, AEW and Tony Khan basically instructed those guys, Hey, just don't talk about it. Just move on. You know, don't worry about it. Just, just, just let that. So you can't make that a central part of the story, I guess. Cause then you're just, I don't know. Then you're just kind of stoking, uh, the flames again, but like you, you just can't have them come out and just not address the fact that these guys were gone for seven weeks out of nowhere and 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 well were complete ghosts on the show. I mean, they weren't in any of the marketing, they yeah. weren't in any of the videos, they weren't in any, and that's kind of what this video alluded to is that you know over the last couple of weeks, you know, the last yeah. month plus or whatever, they've disappeared. They were gone. They they but their I, images every, burnt up. And yeah, their images burnt up. There yeah. was no nothing about their history, nothing about them starting the company, nothing. They were gone and gone. So. You gotta kind of address that when they come back, right? And I love how Don Callis was part of that too. Like they had his image. <laughs> he's <laughs> always Don he's Callis. always finds a way. Always so, finds a way. Don Callis, man. Look, I, I I think how they're gonna handle it. Look, we never got a kayfabe on screen explanation why any of these people were stripped of their titles or sent away. We never got that. So um, I think they're gonna stick with that. I think. They'll do some reintroduction angle and they'll be vague about things. And I don't think they're going to make up a kayfabe reason. And I obviously don't think they're going to mention any of this uh, real life drama either. I think Tony's just going to work this with the assumption that people aren't stupid and everybody knows and we're never talking about it. Yeah. I think that's how they're going to handle it. That's probably the best way and to I do think it. Get, get them involved in a six-man thing right away if you want. Like, have them challenge. We them. want our titles back. Yeah, challenge they come that out, triangle right away. That's just, it. Just go for that. Go for the titles. Go back. And, and you could pretty much pick things right back up where you were seven weeks ago by just having them face the death triangle for the titles at full gear or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, that. that's the easiest we way to never, just get back to where you were. We never lost these titles. They were unjustly taken from us, and we're getting them back. Right. You, they're not going to mention any of this bullshit. And I also don't think they're going to make up any kayfabe reasons. Now, I understand that path because he doesn't – I think the idea is we're not going to insult people with some made-up kayfabe storyline when everybody on earth understands why they were gone. Um, but I disagree with that. I think I would make something up. But I would have done it at the time. That was the where the mistake was made. I would have come up with something in real time to explain why those people were gone. <laughs> why a bunch of people mysteriously left the show with, with yeah, and got their title stripped said, for no reason. Even though most other people don't get their title stripped, but these guys did get their title stripped for some reason. I Look, Punk legitimately was injured. I would have said that for Punk. Yes. 
okay? Because he can't get mad at that. He can't sue you for that, and it's not untrue. So the punk one would have been easy. This man, whatever is it, I think it's a separated shoulder or something, whatever. That's uh, torn not labrum. Important. Wasn't it torn labrum? Torn labrum. So uh, this man tore his labrum. He's going to be out for nine months. And then if you never have to mention him again, you don't. He's just gone. But that at least gives the viewer an explanation. Now, for the Bucks and Omega, you would have had to have been a little more, <laughs> a little more yeah, a little more dancing to get that one done. But uh, you could have, you, you know, and you could have come up with something. But now that we've gone all this time without giving a kayfabe reason, why bother now? So I don't think they will. Maybe they have a good idea to explain why they were gone. I hope they do. I think it'd be better for the show if they do, but I don't expect it. And at this point, it doesn't fucking matter. You know, they're back. Everybody knows why they were gone. They're back. Let's just move on. Now, the important thing now is like we talked about about a month ago. When you bring these guys back, have something hot ready. This is an opportunity because people love returns. And you've got returns of of, of three of the biggest stars in the company. So take advantage of that. Have something big planned. Pop a rating. Pop a buy rate. Be very strategic about this. Don't have them come out. Don't have the Bucks wrestle Butcher and the Blade on, on, on fucking Rampage. You know, not that I think that they would do something stupid like that, but you get the idea. Plan something big here and draw some money with this now. Since it fucked over all your plans and fucked over all your booking and made your company look fucking Bush League and all this bullshit and stress, now take advantage of what the, the end result ended up being. And let's all make a little money. So this vignette may have been the start of that. Absolutely. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see. I, I have no real, I don't want to like fantasy book or whatever, but I, I think the easiest no, way is no. to get them back involved with the death triangle. Uh, but I mean, you can aim higher too. I mean, you could, you could throw Kenny out in the title. You know, you don't want to get the MJF stuff kind of, that, that's, that's on its path right now. You don't want to get involved in that. So I would kind of keep that away. And he doesn't really, they don't integrate to the ring of honor thing all that well. I mean, at least Kenny doesn't. I mean, I guess the Bucks could technically, but, but again, I want bigger. I, I think, yeah, I think something with the death triangle probably is, is best, but I don't know. It's, I'm not in the room there, but if, you know, they should be in the room sitting there thinking of as many ideas as they can to make as much money as possible from the them coming back because they've just been, like you said, they've just been gifted like this awesome, incredible return that they can now have. Uh, w- w- with these guys that, it, you know, when they come back, the, the, the doors off the, the roof off the building is going to explode, you know, when, when they come back. So, yeah, make it count and, and, and make it pop a rating or make as much money as you can on pay-per-view from it. So, Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know, I don't know if this has sunk in with everyone, and I hate to use an overused term, and I don't know who needs to hear this, right? 
But MJF is the biggest star in this company now. And the top of the card revolves around him. I don't care who you are. You're a bit player in the story of MJF when it comes to the top of the card in this company now. I don't care if you're Mox. I don't care if you're the firm. I don't care who you are. Brian Danielson, go right down the line. Okay? This is MJF's company now. And the top of the card revolves around him. You're just a planet orbiting around him if you're at the top of the card now. And that's just the reality. Yeah, that's a good thing, too. That's a great thing. It is. And and I am someone who is a I know nothing. Let me make this clear for people who run the Reddit. I know nothing. I'm not claiming I know anything. Okay? But I am one of those people who firmly believe he is signed beyond 2024. I think that all got worked out. All that money stuff got worked out, and I don't think he's going anywhere. And I think that's a storyline, and it's a good one, the War of 24 and all that. Um, But I think he got paid, and deservedly so. I think he got extended. Rich, if you remember at the beginning of all that MJF stuff, there was a report that quickly went away or got forgotten or whatever where MJF acknowledged that he understood that you don't just get a raise without an extension. you got to give something to get something. Right. Remember that? Yeah. And, it, and that's just how sports work, everything. And that quickly kind of got swept under the rug. Okay, it, it didn't so make I, for as sexy of a story. The extension correct. isn't as sexy as he just got a raise to keep him yeah. there for another year or two. And then he's going, yeah, no, that's not sexy to say that. Right. So I think he got his money, and I think in exchange – AEW got his services beyond the length of his previous contract. And um, this is it's it's his top of the card now. It's driven by him and his story. Everybody else are bit players in his story moving forward. So, um, you know, that that's how I see that's what's going on with MJF. And I mean, I know a lot of people thought last night was a face turn. I mean, it certainly came across like one. But with MJF, you never know, never know. What, it, what is in this guy's head, what's up their sleeve. I, it's interesting because I don't think if that was a face turn, that's necessarily a mistake. I don't think if he does a face turn at the pay-per-view and wins the title and holds it up, and I don't necessarily think that's a mistake, although I think it's rushing the story. I don't think if he is faking a face turn and then – hits Moxley with the dynamite diamond ring and cheats and wins the title. I don't think that's a mistake. I think there's a lot of different things you can do with this. And I don't think any of them are wrong. The only thing I wouldn't do, I wouldn't do the thing where he's still in cahoots with Stokely. I think that would be dumb because they did beat him up. And and I think that stories like that, yeah, I would hate that. I, I would hate if he that says, I fooled you. You all bought it. I mean, it, there's a way where you could have done that where, like, they just kind of kicked him or whatever. They didn't, they kind of shoved him away. You know, there, but they put him through a table. They super kicked him. They chokeslammed him. Like, that. that's way too much for him to say, ah, you all bought it. Ah, you all bought it. Like, yeah. that's attitude error bullshit. That, that would happen in the attitude error where guys would hit each other with chairs for 20 minutes and then turn and then swivel their hips and turn on the guy and be like, ah, it's like, well, you just beat the fuck out of each other for 25 minutes. Like, this is, this is dumb. So, but to me, anything else is in play. I, now, oh, you sure. know, my, now, you know, my stance. I, I think it's way too soon to go babyface with him, even though I think there's money. In going babyface with him, obviously. I, I the way I see, I see this very, very similar. And this is a guy who studies, you know, his wrestling history in, in a lot of ways. And this isn't that far of history, but in, in another breath, it actually is kind of that far. 
is when The Rock, you know, did this in 1998. He, you know, in the summer of 1998, he started slowly turning babyface and he left the nation and started kind of doing his own thing. And then when he turned back heel, like after about a month or so being a, a pseudo face, and when he turned back heel as part of the corporation, that's when he became a megastar. That's when he became like the next level, you know, biggest heel in the entire company. But that only then lasted about three or four months until then it was just like, oh no, this guy is just so damn good that we're going to cheer him. And then he was a, you know, face for pretty much the rest of his entire career, except for the, you know, brief little Hollywood rock uh, period as well. That it kind of feels like that where we're, we're, they're giving you the carrot here of no, 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 he's on the good side, but ultimately he's going to do something evil. Cause I just think he likes the challenge too of being evil and, and bad. I think there's just. But again, like yeah. if they truly decided and they got in the room and, and MJF said, "Yeah, I'm ready to be a babyface," and they said, "All right, we're, you're ready to do it," he, he'll kill that too. He'll be great at that as well. Uh, yeah, he'll, no be biggest, yeah he'll, he'll be the biggest. Yeah, he'll be the biggest star in the company. Face. Yeah, there, there's yeah. no doubt. But but he's done this before. Like this isn't the first time he's kind of let that guard down a little bit and then kind of screwed you over in the end. Like that that's kind of what he does, and and that's cool. I like that. That's great. I I wouldn't think it's a mistake if this is the turn, but I think it's rushing things, and I wouldn't do it. I like the idea of him being this tortured soul for many years who just cannot, who, do, who deep down doesn't like who he is. And I want this inner conflict. See, to me, it's rushing the story if he solves his inner conflict this quickly. Just based on the firm beating up John Moxley because he wanted Moxley at 100%. I don't know. I want more of the inner conflict story. That's what I want more of that. I'm not ready for that story to be over. And I think they can get a lot more out of that. And but at the same time, it has to be tempting to consider turning him. The other things you have to remember is he wants to be the greatest heel of all time. And if he turns now, he can't be that because, you know, he's only been a heel for a few years. He patterns himself after people like Roddy Piper, uh, his cat. I was going to say, his, isn't his cat's name Piper, right? His cat's name is Piper. <laughs> right. And there's something else important to remember here. And a lot of people disagreed vehemently that this guy should never win I would be okay with him never winning the title. You know who else never won a world title? Roddy Roddy Piper. Roddy Piper, his hero. The person he models himself after. He's always like number one on those lists of like, you won't believe these 12 wrestlers never won a world title. And it's always Roddy Piper. And it's like, well, yeah, but it was different then, you know? And I think people have a hard time wrapping their head around because they've come up in modern wrestling where everybody who even has a modicum. Everybody gets their turn. Yeah, everyone gets a title eventually. And someone on the level of MJF, it sounds preposterous to suggest that he should never win the world title. I didn't come up in that era. You didn't – when you started watching wrestling, it, re, it was really the tail end of, of the era where the, it wasn't a guarantee that every top star would eventually win a world title like it is now. So – and I think MJF is a student of history, and he patterns himself after these great heels and people like Piper who never won a world title, people like Jake the Snake Roberts who never won a world title. And if those guys came up today with the start the same star power that they had then, they'd all be world champions many times over by now. But I think MJF wants to do something different and unique and special. And that's why I say it's not the worst idea for this guy to never get that thing that his character wants more than anything. And that's why I would not rush into a face turn. I would not rush the title on him. I'm not saying that him winning the title would ruin the story if he wins the title under nefarious means. That's That's what his character would do. I just think it would be a little too soon to end this inner conflict he's having. Yeah, he didn't know whether to save Moxley or not last night because part of him is like, I want him at 100%, but 
Also, this is good for me that they're beating this guy up. And I don't like him anyway. But then ultimately, he came in for the save. And sometimes he does the right thing, like last night. And other times he doesn't. Like, he's, you know, it's an inner conflict. He's just struggling with himself. I, I find that fascinating. I think it's a great story, and I'm not ready for it to end. And I think they they can get more mileage out of it. Well, and and it it, it points to like the part what we were talking about with the the punk and the elite stuff. Like it's not black and white. It's not good and evil. It there there's there's a little bit of both in that. <laughs> it's really you know it, it, you know it, especially go back to the punk feud where MJF is like you know you were my hero and you let me down you know sort of stuff and that you kind of rally behind the guy saying ah shit man yeah he, he's speaking the truth like you you know you I I I adored you I loved you and then you let me down you turned your back on me and all that you know. And, 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 you know, then he's still kind of inherently evil because then he does terrible stuff after that. But you, part of you is like, yeah, shit, man. Yeah, that, that does kind of suck. And then the Regal stuff, like, again, that, that's another great example of it where during that promo, you're sitting there going, and he gets a standing ovation after it, after he says, you know, you, 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 you depressed the hell out of me. You told me that, that I didn't belong. I, I wasn't good enough and all that sort of stuff. And, and I think about that every damn day and I, I struggle with that every single day or whatever. And people are, you know, giving him a standing ovation after that. But then he's still MJF, you know, at the end of the day, Regal, can see right through it. It's not black and white. It's not good and evil. There's a lot of, yeah, you said that internal struggle between them. And I think that's fascinating. I think it's a really, really cool story. And there's no better person in wrestling right now to tell that story than MJF. I mean, it's just an absolute, not only is a student of the game, but just gets it, gets it so much better and so much more than most other wrestlers that have ever come across have ever done. That, that's why he's going to be an all-time great. And that's why we said five years ago, this guy was going to be an all-time great because he can do this stuff. And he thinks, he thinks about wrestling and he cares about wrestling at, at, on, a, on a different level a much higher level than most other people do. Most other people do it because they're good at it, or most other people do it because they were fans as a kid. This guy, I don't know the right word to do it, but he fucking loves wrestling. You know what I mean? Like this, that, That's yeah. all he wants to do is be a professional wrestler. And he's all he's tried to do is become great at it and be as good as he can possibly be at it. And, and yeah, it's why he's going to be an all-time great. And I'm not saying that wrestling has to be high art or even that it should be. It shouldn't be. It's pro wrestling. This is about as sophisticated as I want it to be, but this is good. This shit's good. Um, yeah, it's relatable. Well, it's it's just human being. I mean, it's humans doing stuff. You know, what I mean, it's not yeah. it's not. A, there's nothing that's that why. I mean, this compare this to Bray Riot Lord. I mean, this is just a human being with all real human emotions. Hey, you know, I was a fan of wrestling, and then you left, and then you turned your back on me to CM Punk. I wanted to become a wrestler, and you turned your back on me, William Regal. You know what I mean? Like, all that stuff. You know, I I, I told you guys that I didn't want you to attack Moxley, and you turned your back on me. Like, that. that's all normal human stuff. Like, there's nothing that's, you know, you need. You don't need a fucking QR code to tell you that this guy, you know, a lot of people have turned their back on him when he's trusted them. You know, that's that's where yeah. we're at. It's not that. You know, it's it's really a shame that the that, that this story couldn't play out as intended with Punk. Because oh, that's man, the money had, there. Yeah, the money was man, been... they planted some tremendous seeds that we're never going to see play out. Yeah. And, I, and I do think ultimately it was going to be a double turn, um, you know, because Punk was going to be a heel at some point. I think we can all acknowledge that. And, you know, Punk kept they kept planting these seeds with Punk where he was saying these heelish saying and doing these heelish things. But in his mind, they weren't heelish things. And those were the seeds life they imitating were imitating. <laughs> right. Life. Yes, our, exactly. Our, our, sorry, art imitating life is what I meant to say there. But yeah. And where MJF had some good points in that feud, you know, and, 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 and so that would have been, I, you know, one day, you know, many years from now, you know, I, 
You know, we have never had Tony Khan on our show or anything like that. He's done every other fucking interview on the face of the planet. The guy doesn't say no to anything. But, um, <laughs> you know, we've never. I, if we, I haven't, ever got, we haven't truly asked him. I we guess, haven't, so. we've never asked him. We've never yeah. asked him. Full disclosure, we've never asked him to be on our show. We've never asked him for an interview. If I ever interview that guy, I want it to be many years from now. And I'm not going to ask about scoops or any of other bullshit. I want to know how is the MJF Punk story going to play out. That's what I want to know. How I want the Tony Khan Book of Secrets, which you know the Gabe Book of Secrets ended up being a massive nothing burger. Did you ever watch that? The Gabe Book? No, I don't think I ever saw that. It, you know, it sounds great. It's, it does. It's it sounds Gabe, fantastic. It's not. It's Gabe with his 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 infamous notebook, his ROH notebook. And remember, he got fired in Edison, New Jersey, in two thousand nine or whatever it was. And it was him revealing his book of secrets, his future plans for ROH that never played out because he got fired. Um, and Adam Pierce took over, and they started doing roll-ups and people holding the tights and shit. Oh, I remember the f- yeah, yeah, it's awful. <laughs> Jerry but, Lynn, all of a sudden Jerry Lynn overnight was. I'm sure you could find a, uh, you know, uh, a, a oh, way no, to I, I will pay the eight ninety nine or whatever is being charged yeah. for Gabe's book of secrets. Oh, right? oh, you will. I'm not sure you will. Uh, <laughs> I pay for my wrestling content. Um, no, but anyway, it's 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 kind of a dry watch. Okay. I mean, it's uh, you know, and then in Dayton we were going to have you know, it's just it's you know, <laughs> so it's not that yeah, it's, it's not the maybe he was let go for a reason. Yeah, maybe we weren't. Uh... It's just not it's just not an exciting watch. It's just like so we're gonna do the tag in Dayton and then we were gonna have a singles between Aries and blah blah the next night in Chicago Ridge and it's just it's very dry. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. And, well, I mean, all those I, I won't lie, all those things because there was like their everybody did their like rebooking of the uh, invasion or whatever. It Gabe did one of those, I think, too. You know what he did? He rebooked WWE CW. That's he what built, he did. Yes, and, yes. And, and he built it around Randy Orton. Yes, yes. Yeah. So that was a big fucking X out moment too. Yeah, I, I do remember that. But yeah, there, there, there's all those, and they're all kind of boring. But there was a time where I really enjoyed those, you know, for some reason. But yeah, his yeah. particularly weren't uh, not the most exciting. So, uh, what the hell were we talking about? Oh, AEW in general. Yeah, I guess we could talk about done. something. Yeah, else that's now. that's the elite, and they're back. So there you go. Um, all right, so let us get to, and I guess this will uh, work as a little plug as well. Uh, the ongoing Carl Anderson situation. So we uh, had a report on FlagshipPatreon.com last weekend. FlagshipPatreon.com, by the way, $5, $10 tier. Uh, $5 gets you all of our bonus audio. $10 gets you our live shows, including this live uh, flagship, if you want to listen in live. All of our Instagram lives, as well as all of our written content available on the $10 tier. $5 tier gets you the VOW Retro Series. I'm going through Halloween Havocs right now. It gives you the Thursday Dynamite Reviews. It's going to give you all of the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame shows that we're going to do, including uh, one that I just released a couple days ago, getting you up to speed on what's going on on the ballot, who's entered the ballot, everybody that everybody that's on the ballot. I go through every single wrestler that's on the ballot, the percentage they got last year, the percentage rise or fall that they had from 2020. So as a long show, a detailed show, getting you ready for the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame. But we'll have additional content obviously coming uh, over the next couple of weeks. But that is all available on the $5 tier. And then live flagships, Instant Reaction Lives, all the written content available on the $10 tier. But we also have news sometimes over at flagshippatreon.com, patreon.com slash voices of wrestling. And the one we had this weekend was your report on the ongoing Carl Anderson situation. So do you want to catch us up to speed on what was going on this weekend? And then maybe we can update to what's happened yeah. uh, recently. So, cause I don't think anything that you wrote has been 
you know, debunked or wrong. Or, no, it's like all nothing, been it's proven. All, it's all right. It's all been proven right, but we'll get into it. It's all been proven kind of, right. Right. So yeah. I, nothing, like, we don't have to say, well, then we learn this. Because everything that you said Saturday or, or Friday or whatever is all exactly the same. As it was, and it's all correct. So uh, catch us up to speed on that, and then we'll talk about what's happened in, in, in the interim. All right. So it should be obvious to everyone now that this is all a work. Just based on everybody cutting promos on each other and the nature of everything. But there are still, believe it or not, people who think that Carl Anderson is, you know, went behind New Japan's back and is holding this title at ransom and is never going to come back. And it's all dirty business. And we did a segment last week before I had gathered all the details and everything we said last week, just forget about it. Okay, because literally after the show ended, I started getting information from people and everything we said on last week's show is completely irrelevant to how all of this really went down. Um, the, The key to the story is this. Okay, and this has not not been reported anywhere else, even 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 to this point. The key to the story is this. New Japan was aware that Carl Anderson was not going to make the Osaka booking. It is an Osaka, right? Just double check real quick. Uh, correct. Yep. Was not going to make the Osaka booking because he was already booked in Saudi Arabia before they announced the match. Okay, that is a fact. And I know people are like, that doesn't make any sense. I'm going to tell you why from New Japan's perspective, it does make sense. First of all, they knew Carl Anderson and Doc Gallows were negotiating with WWE for a very long time. I think Sean Ross Sapp pinned it to August. I think that's the date Sean Ross Sapp Uh, reported. Yes, I believe he said August. Yes. Okay, so uh, he got that. I didn't, you know, I don't, but they were negotiating with WWE for a very long time and new Japan knew that Carl Anderson wasn't doing anything behind new Japan's back. He wasn't being nefarious in any way, shape or form. He also didn't in have fact, a contract. He didn't have a contract. So it's, like... and he was well within his rights to negotiate with right. WWE and cause new Japan, he's not signed to new Japan. Okay. So when he made the deal, when he cut the deal with, with WWE, he presented all of the dates he was aware of that he was booked to new Japan. One of those dates was the Saudi show, which falls on the same date as the Osaka show. The plan had always been to do Carl Anderson versus Hikuleo in Osaka. But now they had this conflict. So they were going to just strike the match and kill it. But somebody, and I think it was Carl Anderson, but I can't, I'm, I'm, I cannot confirm. But somebody pitched the idea, and I think it was Carl, to announce the match anyway. Knowing full well he wasn't going to be there, and then turn it into an angle and try to make the best of this very poor situation, while at the same time still attempting to work out a date where he can come back to New Japan, wrestle Hikuleo, and put him over and lose the and, and, excuse me and lose the title to him. In other words, by announcing the match in Osaka, even though they know he can't work it it would give them the ability to create an angle and buy themselves some time. Right, right. And 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 this is always kind of the, the weird part about this because this is the question that most people that follow New Japan have. And, and uh, I did a, a shot on Cultaholic uh, with, with uh, Tom from Cultaholic. And, and he, the thing that he basically asked me is, you know, why this situation? Why 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 on this situation did they not just strip him of the title? And, and well, they've done that before. They've done it for injuries. They've done it for sicknesses. They've done it for travel issues and all that sort of stuff. And you know, only when you don't make the date, he hasn't not made the date yet. That's right. that's one. 
But two, even if he doesn't make this date, which he obviously will not be making this date, he's going to be in Saudi Arabia for WWE. Uh, even if he doesn't make this date, there's a particular, for whatever reason, either it's this title, it's the fact that Hikuleo is the guy going for it, it could be the fact that there's Bullet Club drama, it could be the fact that it's Carl Anderson. I don't know exactly what it is, but there's enough factors involved in this where somebody has gotten it, you know, gotten this idea that no, we can do a little bit more with this story than just strip him of the title and just have Hikaleo face Tomaru Ishii on 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 you know, battle on him or whatever. We can do something more with this. You know, if if everybody, if all parties are involved, want to do more with this, we can do more with this. And again, whether that, you know, I don't know the exact answer for why they think that, you know, or why what the, you know why this is so well, different than all the others, but. Well, what do you? Is it just the Hikaleo thing? Is it just you, the fact that you can get more out of this than just a regular vaca- you know, vacating it, the title? This is the mindset as it was described to me. Okay, first of all, Carl Anderson wants to put Hikaleo over. That's number one. Right. Number two, the reason they've chosen this route where they're announcing a match that they know full well isn't going to happen is it gives them options. All sides, well, maybe not the WWE side, but they're at least perpetrating like they 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 want to help all sides want this match to happen at some point okay uh carl wants to do it new japan wants to do it hikaleo wants to do it and wwe at least on the surface is trying to work with new japan to 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 allow him on an open date to go work this match by announcing the match and turning it into an angle it, it what this does is it gives new japan an out if a date cannot be worked out, you just have Carl not show up, and then you strip him because he didn't show up, for, which is why New Japan put out that kayfabe, and it's a kayfabe statement. Don't let anybody tell you different. That's why New Japan put out the kayfabe statement on their website the other day that said, if Carl Anderson doesn't show up, we're stripping him of the title. Okay, And then they'll turn it into Carl Anderson is a coward. Who was afraid to face Hikuleo? Right, right, and and, and you put and, over Hikuleo, right. One of two so that ways: way, Carl Anderson does the job to him, and Hikuleo beats him, or he acts scared of him, or you know, yeah, Hikuleo says, yeah. "Where are you?" and he doesn't show up, and they give him the title, and he goes, "Okay." And there's Bullet Club drama involved in that too, and, and that's that's sort of what I tried to present uh, to Cultaholic is that like this isn't just. Ishii versus Makabe for a title that, you know, okay, whatever. One of these guys just has to get the title because this guy can't be there. There's Bullet Club drama involved in this as well. You're putting this new guy over. Hikuleo just turned, and you want this guy to be a big deal, and you want this guy to be put over, and you want to make this Bullet Club drama and him leaving the Bullet Club a big deal. This is the best way to do it. You've been handed a golden opportunity here to get this guy over one way or another. Either Carl Anderson does the job or Carl Anderson doesn't show up and Hikuleo gets a title, and in which case Carl Anderson ducked this guy and wouldn't face him, and which just puts him over even more. So it's it's the right title for it. It's the right story for it. It's the right guy in Hikuleo, and Listen. it's the right guy in Carl Anderson too because th- that's another thing that a lot of people are not understanding about this is this guy isn't just saying, hey, fuck you, New Japan. Go fuck yourselves. I'm going to WWE. Like, this guy owes his entire career to New Japan for wrestling, and he knows that, and he's aware of that, but this offer came to WWE, and of course he's going to take that offer. If it's a, it's it's it, He didn't have a contract with New Japan. He presumably got a pretty good deal with WWE, and and, and yeah, that he's well in his rights to do it, so of course he's going to, but I think this is him doing a solid to the company that basically made him what he is today because the if, if he was truly an asshole and didn't care about anything, 
he would have just FedExed them the title and said, "Yeah, no, I'm, I'm yeah." Like, and he would be WWE doing the like, like, this shit. Like he not, wants to do the yeah, wants to do the right thing I'm in the scenario. Recording a now. video for you guys. I got to do this shit. No, I'm, I'm not recording a video. Here's your title back. You know, don't, don't call me. I'm good. And people are so missing the point, and it's so frustrating. Oh, it's oh, all this for Carl Anderson, or oh, it's just the never title, or oh, no one wants to see the match anyway. You are so missing the fucking point. Okay, if New Japan just would have stripped him when he signed with WWE. You know how bad that looks? Oh, one of our sitting champions, <laughs> right. hold on, jumps to another company and leaves us in a lurch, and now we just don't have a champion. You look like a bunch of geeks. This is making the best of a bad situation. It's not about Carl Anderson. You're missing the point. It's, it's about pride. New Japan. Yeah, New Japan's pride. And yes, and doing and, and making the company look as good as possible and making Hikuleo look as good as possible. In the and making the best of this messy situation, it's not ideal. You wouldn't do this on purpose. It's the hand they're dealt. So instead, they're try. They're still trying to get a date. I was talking to someone before the show, and it looks like there's two dates that might work. And in that case, what they're going to do is have Hikuleo plead to the company not to strip him. Which he's already. Done. I want. We'll talk to him about that in a second. Which he's already dropped hints at. With with worked promos, he's already he, after one of his matches on this tour, he cut a promo in that direction. Yeah, well, today on on Twitter, I don't know if you saw this. He said, "No vacancy needed. I'll wait." Yeah, he does. So the I, the plan is, if they can get a date, he, he the story will then shift to Hikuleo begging the company not to strip him. Let me get this guy in the ring, okay? But we don't know if that's going to happen. And the the problem with all of this is, the longer it goes on the less you can trust WWE to let them come back and do it. That's the issue. That's the issue. Because eventually WWE is not going to give a shit about this crap anymore, and they're just going to say, you know what? You're not going back. We're tired of the back and forth, and that's going to be that. But what? But, but this gives them an out by announcing the date. Because if you can't get another date, then you can strip him if he doesn't show up. And you can claim he's a coward. And even though it's not optimal or ideal – and he didn't beat, lose to, to – and he didn't beat Anderson, you could still position it as he was a coward who was afraid of Hikuleo. And it's better than nothing. You know, this cowboy shit of, ah, I just should have stripped him a week ago. Not when you have all the facts. That doesn't make any sense. So they instead decide to do something creative that also protects the way that the kayfabe is done in that company. They don't strip people for stuff. They don't strip you until you can't make a defense. That's the standard. And they're following the kayfabe standard. And once that decision was made, they started cutting promos on each other on Twitter. Carl Anderson's doing the bright lights gimmick. Do you think Carl Anderson would disrespect New Japan that way and shit on them? That's – come on. <laughs> yeah. I, I know – you, you, you people, I know you want to – everyone's well, they, afraid and, and to be worked. Know, I get it. They don't know his his history either. And we and I forget it, – No, it's show. this thing where – it's this thing, Rich – where no one wants to get worked is what it is. <laughs> right. I'm not being worked. You're being worked. <laughs> but no, I mean, that's this guy, what it is. If you truly look at this guy's career, this guy was nothing without New Japan. Like, he completely resurrected his career via New Japan. He, he was doing Ohio Indies and Cincinnati area Indies and, and, and whatnot. And he helped, he helped them. He came in in a pinch when they needed him. And they basically rewarded him with, a lifetime, you know, a work for the next, you know, decade plus, which then let him go to WWE and let him go to AEW, let him eventually go to AEW, go to, it's just, yeah, it opened up 
everything in his entire career. So yeah, I, I don't think that this guy has. I don't know why well. people are blaming Carl Anderson. Why don't you blame New Japan for putting a title on a guy without? A contract? I agree. Yeah, I thought we should know. We should know better in 2022. We I can't believe how many times this has to happen. But putting a title on a guy that's not contracted is not a good idea, and you shouldn't do that. And time and time again, it's been proven that it's not a good idea. And yet here we are with. New Japan putting a title on a guy that's so, not contracted. So, as of the time I wrote up the report last week, there was no date that worked or was agreed to. Um, the final day of the World Tag League would seem to be the next biggest show between now and Wrestle Kingdom. Um, you do have the cor- the Christmas week Corkins, but by then the Wrestle Kingdom cards are already set, so that doesn't make sense to change a title on either of those cards. So then the next day, kingdom. I would do it at dome one four. Well, if, I mean, if they can get them for, for January 4th, that's what they're going to do. Yeah. And I because think that would be, and it fits with the bright lights thing too. Like yes. that, that's I, that when he said, Oh, I only, you know, this is bright lights, Carl Anderson. I only go to the big spots or whatever, you know, paraphrasing. I'm thinking, all right, he, they got him booked for the dome. They said, Hey, it's yes. January 4th. Once, it's yeah. a Wednesday. Yeah. You'll, you won't have to do anything for raw. You won't have anything for SmackDown. You won't have anything for NXT. Like you, that's a day where he can do raw, get on a plane, head over to Japan, lose to Hikaleo, come back and not miss a single WWE date. Once, yeah, once he started doing the bright lights gimmick, to me that was either a signal that they that he's booked for Wrestle Kingdom, or that's what they they think is they're the working best. towards that plan. Yes, so they're working correct. Now again, this isn't me defending. I, I think this is all a big mess. But what I will defend is I think they're trying to make the best out of this mess. Right. They're trying to make the best while keeping their pride and not having to admit that they had a title on a guy who's not contracted and then he left for a better deal elsewhere. And I think all of this is a better option than just stripping him when he signed with WWE. I think you look like total goofs if you just strip him when he signs with WWE. Because that it looks like one of your title holders, which in kayfabe is one of your stars, walked out of your company and doesn't give a fuck about your company or your title. In this instance, the guy still clearly cares about the title, and he's ducking the guy that's coming for the title. So it it it, it it's it's less bad than just stripping him of the title. Right, right. Say, I don't think any of this is optimal. I don't think any of this is good. It's definitely more interesting than any other option. It's intriguing to see how it's all going to play out. Um, you know, I don't know if this is true now, but I probably this part I wasn't going to say, but fuck it. I don't, and I didn't write this, but there was a time where the the, the Osaka date wasn't was still wasn't off the table, even though WWE announced them, because they're still negotiating, and maybe you know, there's you could do an angle and get them off the Saudi show, and he can go to it. But I don't think that's going to happen. So I don't want people to think that I'm saying that's going to happen. But there was a point in time where that was it, where anything was on the table. So uh, you know, look, the big thing here is. Not so much what people think of the angle, but that it is an angle. Right. Okay? And WWE and New Japan don't have a working arrangement. I know a bunch of people got excited about that. That's not the case. In fact, New Japan is very wary of them. And they're, they, this whole thing is Why they're annoyed. You be? <laughs> it's this company, man. Yeah, they're annoyed that they can't get a date. They don't have a working arrangement. There's a working arrangement here. And from WWE's point of view, they just signed a free agent. They don't give a fuck what title they hold or who they were doing fucking indie dates for so that part of it is not absolutely not true and the big key to the story was they booked that match knowing full well he wasn't going to be there with the intent of making it an angle but here's the thing by now if it it should be obvious to everyone it's an angle just based on 
New Japan feeding the story to Tokyo Sports, which is always a red flag. Then, you know, Carl and Hikuleo cutting the worked promos on each other. I mean, you got you know, Rocky and Chris saying, like, hey, return that title, yeah. show up. And I mean, it's come on. At that point, when you got when you got yeah. those guys getting involved, like, I, the, the flashing light should be going on a lot. But, it doesn't take a genius to figure out it's an angle now. But when I wrote the story, it wasn't really all right, that clear. Right. And a lot of people didn't understand what was going on. And then we have the usual cadre of morons who say that, you know, we don't know anything and we're making, <laughs> we're making it up. Another great guess. <laughs> Another story that we made up out of thin air that ended up 100% true all the <laughs> way through. So wild. it's just a, a, another amazing coincidence that we're able to do Do you play the lottery that. or no? You don't do the lottery? Just, you should. You should. It's just so fucking annoying. But um, but anyway, that's going on. That's what's going on with Carl Anderson. And, you know, we'll see. I, I, I was told – I have to get back to people, but I was told something about two potential dates earlier today. I just didn't have time to get back and and um, with follow-up questions and everything. But my I, – I, you know, I, I really couldn't even give you a guess. I think it's 50-50 if he ever comes back to physically lose the title to uh, to Hikuleo. So I, I guess we'll see. But that's – that is the absolute uh, – in totality, what is happening with Carl Anderson and anyone who tells you that Carl Anderson is into business for himself or he's, or New Japan wasn't aware of what was going on every step of the way, it's just wrong. And a lot of the shit we said last week was wrong. And I'm telling you straight up, last week I didn't have the information and just ignore everything we said last week. This is legitimately everything that's going on and it's it's all playing out the way I wrote. So anyway, that's the Carl Anderson situation. There you go. So that is Carl Anderson. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what ends up happening with that story and, and what date. I, I'm kind of with you. I think I'm probably about 50-50 because we've seen this in the past, too, with WWE. Like, you know, they, they, they'll they play good and, and, and whatnot. But there's a possibility they just, you know, say, oh, no, we want, you know, we need you for a video. Or, because or, at the end of the day, Rich, they don't care. They don't give and a shit. Yeah, we need They're just going to get annoyed and they're going to be like, yeah. we're tired of exchanging dates. Just you're not going back. Right. Right. It, you know, and, and that's just that. Um, And, and, and. You know, I even wrote that in a story. I'm like, that's a legitimate fear. Yeah, don't because... don't don't assume that there it's locked in that he's definitely going back there to definitely drop that title, and it's definitely going to happen at Wrestle Kingdom. It's very possible the plan is to happen at Wrestle Kingdom, and the WWE says, "Nah, we need you for a pre-tape, or we need you for this." And yeah. Japan just says, "You know what? Fuck it. Don't come. We're good. We'll just you know send the title on a FedEx, even... and we'll we'll have you vacated or whatever." That's the thing. Even if they agree to a date, WWE can fuck them three days before. They for don't sure. care. Yeah, and and yeah, we need you on a house show. Whatever the fuck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What do they call their? Because every house show has a name now, right? Saturday night's main event is every single Saturday house show, which is disgusting. Yeah, yeah. yeah what yeah. is the? Uh, I forget what the their their run of the mill like. Trying to make them feel special. <laughs> Weekday. <laughs> yeah, you know you're going to a. Uh, let me see, let me look it up real quick because I saw it the other day and I just kind of laughed when I when I read what these things were. Uh, if you did not know that uh, it is. So you have Sunday stunners. Mm. Saturday night's main events. Um, do they only do? Uh, maybe they only do weekend house shows right now. Oh, and to people who have asked, Strong was on the table as a possibility. Oh, if he's well, in America and they're in America, let's you know, yeah, yeah, let's just do it in fucking you know, wherever the fuck. But the problem with that it doesn't really fit the bright lights thing. But um. You know, it, yeah, it, those aren't it, the brightest of lights, unfortunately. But if so. it's like the only option, and they really, really want to do it in the ring, right? That's right. that. I'm not saying uh, what I'm saying is that is it's on the table as as a potential option. In like a weird wrestling thing, if I'm WWE, that's the least one that I want my guy to do. I'd rather he go to Japan and lose it at Wrestle Kingdom or whatever, because it's like you know, there, there's still the optics of it's happening in Japan. It's not happening in America or whatever. 
but ultimately they they either won't care or they will care and you know, who knows you know what i mean like it, it, yeah. you never know you, know what? You, never, watch, you can't predict watch them show up on this mystery vortex show tonight and render <laughs> tonight, this segment and, all, to and then we have two weeks of carl anderson segment just blown up uh okay yeah. now mind, uh we, we're getting uh reports in the note of chat that it ended but the show has ended is that i people can confirm that that show has ended so we're not oh, wrong the mystery vortex yet. show we're not yeah. wrong yet yeah. But we will be wrong well, soon, I'm sure. <laughs> Blow up another segment. Yeah. Um so some other New Japan stuff, right? We got we got Yeah, uh, yeah, we got a, we got a lot of New Japan uh to touch on. I have been uh, been checking some of it out. So obviously the Mystery Vortex show uh just happened today the night before 44th Street. Do you want me to go over the card or are you planning on watching this and and want to see it unspoiled? You know what? When's it going up? Is it up or it's on fight uh, or it's is on it on fight? Up? So it should be available pretty soon. What does that mean pretty soon? I don't know. Usually they, they, the turnaround for them is pretty quick uh, for fight. Oh, you they, mean for the replay? Yeah, the replay is probably going to be up in like an hour or so. So there's yeah. a chance that you could watch it immediately after this show. Hey, you know what? I'm going to check it. I like a little mystery yeah, vortex. I, 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 I got some spoilers sent to me, and they look actually yeah, it looks kind of fun. So, All right. Got some big names in America. All right. Uh, they got names. No. <laughs> there's na- there's some fun ma- there's matches that look pretty fun. So I, I don't know. Big big might not be. Big get Okada versus Muda. Um, let me s- no 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 no. I don't want to see that anyway. To be no, honest, that doesn't sound that good actually. Um, Castle Attack is that what it's called? Which one? You've been saying Castle Attack a lot lately. You've said Castle Attack for like seven different shows. Clash at the Castle. What was the what were the shows that finally went up on Royal World Quest. that I watched? Royal Quest. Royal Quest. So I watched both of these shows. Did you watch the Royal Quest, Richard? Did you just uh, watch I only the- watched I only watched the Aussie Open FTR uh match from, from night one, but I did not watch the rest. So why, why don't you quickly go over the rest of the shows and then we'll talk about the uh, Aussie Open match? Um all right. So Royal Quest, very quickly, we're not gonna do a full on um review of both of these shows i'll tell you the stuff i liked i thought um royal quest night one that's is that night one here's night one okay uh night one was the ftr aussie open main event and yeah. we'll, we'll save that for the end i thought will osprey and shota aminu had a really good match in the semi-main osprey won it with the elbows to the back of the head for the ko finish um with his dad as the referee i believe which was interesting um the I, I thought Shota Aminu looked really great. I think he's all the way back. You know, he hung in there with Will, who is arguably the best wrestler in the world, and he looked good. And you know, obviously, at a you know the the those crowds, um, you know, like Aminu, he's been there for a while now. So I thought he did well. Um, they had Zach Knight fill in for um, uh, TMDK uh, for Jonah because Jonah couldn't get in because of the hurricane from. Uh, from from Florida, I guess. So they brought in one of the many knights, and he teamed with bad dude Tito. So uh, Zach Knight will be in the history books forever as working a New Japan show. So uh, good for him. Um, night one, really not much else to talk about, in all honesty, outside of the Will Ospreay match. As far as night two goes, there was a lot of interesting stuff. I The, the Naito-Zach Sabre Jr. main event was very good. I don't think it was one of their better matches, but it was very good. I thought Tomohiro Ishii versus Yota Suji was exceptional. I mean, that shouldn't come as a shock. It's Ishii. But Yota Suji, you know, he's been working the Rev Pro shows. He's over with those fans, much like Aminu is. And remember, he was a fill-in 
as well. They announced on night one that he'd be in the Ishii match instead of Jonah. And man, they had a great match here. Definitely notebook material. And I think they have an even better match in them. If Ishii is still going, you know, when Suji gets back and, and um, maybe if Ishii has one more G1 in them and they're in the same block, but I'm not going to get my hopes up because I remember Hanare having really good singles matches with Ishii at this same stage of his career. And I thought they would have a, a nice little rivalry when Hanare became a, a, you know, a made guy and that hasn't really played out, but um, this was very similar. Now I think that this match was better than any of the Hanare Ishii matches, but it wasn't a semi-main event spot and they got a lot of time. So, you know, that helped. The other really good match that a lot of people might be tempted to skip because it was in the middle of the card and it was like a 10-man tag was United Empire versus FTR, Ricky Knight Jr., Shota Aminu, and Gabe Kidd. I mean, that match rocked. I mean, you know, that may have been – that was neck and neck with Ishii and Suji for the best match of the night. And I think both of those matches were a little bit ahead of Naito Saber, at least for me. But um, definitely not a skip. If people want to zip through these shows, I get it. Okay. Um, you know, I, you know, I, I'll be honest. I zipped through it. You couldn't pay me to watch Jazzy Gabbert and Ava White. I mean, you couldn't pay me to sit there and watch that. Um, but you know, I, I would, you might see, you know, a multi-man tag here and no, that one stop and watch it. Well worth your time. Uh, Okada wrestled bad dude, Tito. It was fine. You know, Okada didn't really seem in the mood to give this guy an Epic and they didn't really go too long either. But, um, you know, and I thought, uh, you know, the young guns getting a shot against, you know, Hiromu and Sonata. That was a big spot for them, and they worked hard. So, um, you know, the shows were a lot of fun, but those were some of the highlights outside of the match we're about to talk about. Yeah, let's get to that one. Aussie Open versus FTR. Uh, much heralded, much hyped. I, I was very happy to finally be able to watch this one. Uh, Dave Meltzer went full five uh, stars on it. Uh, cage match inmates right now, 9.39 with about 250 plus ratings, at least uh, when I checked uh, earlier today. Uh, and uh, so I was able to watch it. You were able to watch it. And I thought it was really good. I don't know that I'm five stars on it. I don't know that I think it's one of my favorite matches of the entire year. I mean, it's it's definitely a match to go out of your way and watch. Uh, I, I think you should see it. And, and it's one of the better tag matches I've seen this year. But I don't know if it reached the level that high for me, but I still really, really enjoyed it. I thought I, I think Aussie Open is just tremendous. Uh, they've just had a great, great year. Uh, FTR, I, I enjoy most of what they do as well, so I, I, I thought it was good. Um, I don't know. It didn't. I, I, I went in with very high expectations, and maybe it's a victim of those expectations. But I mean, I came away saying well, that was a hell of a match. I really enjoyed. I watched that, and, and, but not not blown out my match of the year list or anything like that. But but definitely a match you should go out of your way to check out because it is really, really good. I went four and a half. I thought it was a really great match. Yeah, that's exactly. I, it. I was four and a half as well. Exactly. I also don't think it's matching to your level. Um, I don't think it was as good as the FTR matches against the Briscoes. Either one of them. Oh no, I've seen better matches with both these guys. The Aussie Open. There, there's that uh, the, the match from Dynamite with Aussie Open and, and Will uh, versus uh, you know the Elite, and then yeah, there's the FTR versus the Briscoes. I thought both combinations of those matches were better than than, than this one. Yeah, but this was a great match and. There's probably a lot of years where it would be the best tag match of the year. There's just been a lot of really great tag matches this year. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's definitely a match that people have to, you know, go out of their way to see. I mean, there's no doubt about that. And while you are, you may as well watch the Will Ospreay show to Aminu Semi, which I thought was uh, a really good showing by Aminu. But, um, yeah, no, I, I you know, it, it may have been a little too long 
I think that may have been what prevented it for me. Yeah, there was a point. I forget exactly what the spot was, but there was a point where I was like, oh, baby, here we go. Take it home. And then they like they, the crowd was going nuts. There was a bunch of big spots, and then there was another – there was like a kick out. And I was like, nah, <laughs> that would have been it, guys. And it went on like you know five more minutes after that. I'm, I'm blanking on what the exact spot was. But it was that moment where I was like, nah, you guys had it, and you're just you're just going a little too. You don't need that many more kickouts. Like we we get it, we got the point. Uh, I'm I'm with you. I think it just went a, about five minutes too long. There was I I wish I could remember what the exact spot was, and I meant to write it down. Where I watched and I said, yep, that's when you should have ended that match. That should have been it. And they decided not to. And they kept going and kept going and kept going and kept going. And, and I thought it's a diminishing returns uh, for the last couple of kickouts. I think FTR continues to pad their – they're going to run away with Tag Team of the Year. They should anyway. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, man, yeah, of course. Nobody should touch them in that regard. Um, you know, this was a great, great match, and it's like their third or fourth best match this year, which is crazy to think about. I really like the spot where they were both in the sharpshooters or the grapevine leg locks, or I guess they're Bret Hart and Marks, so it would be sharpshooters, right? And Aussie Open, they're just encouraging each other and <laughs> just slapping each other. each other in the face. Don't tap. Don't <laughs> yeah. fucking tap. You know? Um, so that was a cool spot, you know, with the blood, too. Uh, oh, yeah, the- yeah. The guy's just pouring blood. I- I'm and- also a big fan of the throw my guy into my guy to, to break up a pinfall type thing. Yeah, the sheer desperation to yeah. break up pinfalls, um, even sacrificing your partner's body and. Yeah, it's a great match. You know, FTR does get a little overindulgent at times. Oh, yeah, and, and this was. And this was definitely overindulgent. And Aussie Open gets overindulgent. Of course, of course. We've had that critique of them. I think, uh, you know, the, the Velocity series, you know, one of you know one, or, one of those bouts got a little overindulgent, uh, I think too, their most they, recent one. I think it was that most recent one. They did it a couple months ago. And I remember you and I just both being like, ah, man, this is too much. Too it was, much. It was just too much. Yeah, they did. Yeah. They did sec- uh, 6,000 spots in 25 minutes. And it was like, all right, guys, I, I've had, I think I've had enough. When you do so much that the finish feels flat because cooler shit happened earlier, then it's a good sign that you did too much. You know, there was a lot of spots in that particular match that that would have been better finishes than the finish that they actually came up with. And they just were kickouts. And that real, I mean, I guess you felt that way about this one to some extent. I didn't come across, I didn't come out of this one feeling that way. I just thought you could have shaved. How long was this match? Uh, let me get the exact time uh, for you, but it, it was longer than you might think it was. I thought it was long. Uh, you know, I, I'm sure it was around a half hour, but I, I'm thinking it could have been, uh, you 31 know. 31.59, 31.59. And listen, could they have gone 26 minutes and had just as good a match, maybe better? Yeah, I think they could have. So, you know, these are two teams that tend to get a little overindulgent. That's all. And that's funny when FTR, when their whole deal is that that's what they aren't. But they are. <laughs> old school for wrestling. You're not. <laughs> but they're not. And they, and they never have been. They've always been. You know, they're not grabbing holds and working towards one big hot tag. That They've never been that, you know. And um, there's elements of that in their work. Sure. Like, you, you see elements of it. But, um, you know, they're a, a spot-heavy tag team that tend to... Um, do a little too much sometimes. And and I thought, I think obviously, and I think this is not a unique opinion. I think the Briscoes bring out the best in them. It's just a great match, matchup style-wise. And, and you know, we, we talk about it all the time. You know, there's, there's some wrestlers just have great chemistry with each other. And I think those t- two teams have just ridiculously great chemistry. And, you know, these two teams, FTR and Aussie Open, it's not as if 
look, this was a great match, okay? But it just had little, you know, had these small flaws where I didn't come out of this thinking, I, I never considered going five stars on this, and I didn't feel like I watched a match of the year. I felt like I watched a really great match that I would put, like, in my top 20 for the year, probably. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I'm, you know? I'm right with you on that. That, but, that's that's but, probably exactly where it would fall for me as like top twenty five, like you know somewhere. Definitely want to go out of your way to watch. I mean, it's a tremendous pro wrestling match. But no, we've had, we've been treated to some pretty good matches this and year. A lot of matches this year, four and a half or higher. For oh yeah, yes, particularly with these teams, like with the involving a lot of yeah. these people, in, you know, in this match. So that that's where I I do have to qualify it there. As as much as I do love it and how much I did enjoy it, you know, I, I I've seen better from both these teams this year. One thing I loved on both of these cards was. Gideon Gray brought back the undefeated for uh, (laughs) Great O'Conn. And these fans in this building, you know, all these guys, all these excursion guys who have spent time there with Rev were over as fuck with these fans. And those fans appreciated the return of that gimmick. And um, fuck, he's still undefeated because he didn't take the pin in the match they lost because he teamed with Gideon Gray. So obviously, you know, Gideon took the fall and then they won. Then United empire won in the 10 man tag the next night. So, um, the undefeated streak lives. I want to see great O'Conn go back to the UK in like 20 years. And like, it's still alive. Like, (laughs) yeah, right, right, right. That would be, you know, that'd be a lot of fun where every time he goes there, whether it be for new Japan or an indie show or rev pro that, you know, they they continue this Gideon Gray story of you know because remember remember Rich Okan is just on loan to New Japan he told us that yeah, oh, yeah right 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 and uh, he and he was true <laughs> to his word they all came back together with the United Empire and he's you know so uh, you know that's all we have. look again we don't need this to be sophisticated we just need logic a and little bit of logic to, yeah just a little it, bit it's fun it's fun that these two guys are connected to each other like forever you know what I mean. And that, you know, that, that seemingly throwaway line proved to be true that, you know, that, you know, and, and eventually they did come back together and, and here they are. So a lot of fun stuff. Dan Maloney got a shot on these shows. Uh, Gabe kid looked good in his return and, and hopefully he's got a lot of his life squared away where he can, you know, properly focus on this. Now he's still only like 26, which is gross. And they were talking on commentary how he started at like 11. So he's a 14-year pro at 26. (laughs) Um, You know, so, uh, you know, Ricky Knight Jr. got to have New Japan eyes on him. Michael Oku. Um, uh, The uh, uh, Ethan – man, my mind is slipping again. The – the the Ethan Allen and Luke Jacobs, they, you know, they got to get New Japan eyes. Yeah. yeah. You know, it, it's good for guys like that who all of which everybody I names has clear potential and are at varying levels of their development and all those things. But I mean, Ricky Knight Jr. is a guy who I can definitely see, you know, getting a tour sometime, you know, whether they see him, you think they would see him as a junior. It's hard to gauge size in Rev Pro because I don't know if he's New Japan junior size or. Yeah, um, it is always tough. Yeah, you don't realize until you see these guys again. It's like, you know. American wrestlers or whatever, or, you know, major guys yeah. like, Oh wow. Yeah. That guy's kind of much shorter than I thought it's, I honestly, that's a great, I mean, that, that pipeline is awesome. It's a great pipeline for new Japan that the ref, I mean, there's, and we've talked about it before. We talked about it all the way through 2020. I mean, they are really working on, on a keeping, you know, British wrestling alive, which they did in 2020 admits, you know, amidst, you know, everything going on 
uh, in, in that region. They just kind of put their head down and kept going and kept going and, and, and building and building and building. And there's a lot of good talent there. There's a lot of talent that New Japan can 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 use and utilize. And 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 likewise, you know, it, it it's a great spot to put guys on excursion too. You know, you're not going to get a lot of bullshit. You know, they're going to be treated pretty well. They're going to be treated with respect or whatever. So it, it's 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 been a very good relationship in a lot of ways. And 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 I'm glad to see it continuing. And they're going to get booked in storylines and and things where they can learn more than just bell to bell. They can learn how to, you know, all of those other things that go along with pro wrestling, crafting a character, working heel, working baby face, doing all of those things as opposed to just, you know, working these random American indies where, you know, they're just doing shit and, and, you know, you know, so, so it, it, it's good. It's, it's one of the better places, if not the best place that new Japan currently sends their guys and um you know and these shows i mean they averaged about 2000 fans a night they did a little over 2100 on the first night and they did a shade under 2000 the second night so uh these shows did some good houses too um you know and i'm sure for some of the japanese guys that that came over they were happy to be working in front of vocal crowds and all those sorts of things so um yeah, no, they were enjoyable shows. I mean, I admittedly I flew through some of the matches. You know, I didn't I didn't watch every single match and I didn't have full attention on. You know, I watched a lot of it while I was doing other shit, but um you know, I paid attention to the stuff that I thought, you know, um deserved my attention and and the uh, and I got enough of a feel for it to where I thought they were very enjoyable shows and it's hard for me to go back and watch shows that are out of the continuity. I hate doing that. So it was a struggle for me. I had to force myself to watch them. But then once I was watching them, I was like, oh, I'm glad I did this. I'm enjoying myself. Yeah, it was a good crowd, too. And, and yeah, like you said, it, 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 it shines a light on just like how just it has to just be absolutely draining to still be doing some shows. And and, and I won't lie. I watch. Did you watch the uh, New Japan show from uh, yesterday? I want to say the one. Uh, OK, so the Ishii Narita um, um, match. I'm behind on the Autumn Attack Tour or whatever and haven't watched anything. Okay. So well, I won't that spoil I that one for on. you there, but I will tell you. I'm, I heard it was great. I am buying. I, I told you a couple weeks ago I was buying Ren and Rita stock. I am, yeah. I am buying as much as I possibly can. The, the, the reason I don't have money for a TV is because I spent all that goddamn money on, on buying stock uh, for Ren and Rita. I mean, if you, we always talk about how we wanted Shota Umino and we've wanted, you know, Master Watto and we've wanted the, all these, you know, younger guys, even, even Show and Yo, we've wanted them to just grab a match by the fucking horns and just become the man. You know what I mean? Just be obvious that that dude belongs. That's Render Reed on this night. You'll see when you watch it. I mean, that that is as obvious of this dude fucking gets it and is going to be great that, that you'll get. In a, I mean, he just, he, he's essentially cosplaying, you know, Shibata in this match, but it's fucking rocks. It, it's, it's, Go out of your way to check that one out when you get a chance. Yeah, I get to it. I had to make a decision, catch up on the tour, or watch the Castle Attack shows, and Royal I Quest. chose the Royal Quest. <laughs> I chose the uh, the Royal Quest shows because I figured if I don't, I'm never going to get to them. Right, and you got till next it's, week, too, because the, the Autumn right. Attack final is on the 5th, so we got a little bit of time. Yeah, so I got to catch up fully on the New Japan. Um, I'll do that this week. but um, And then there's the obviously the the big tour ender, which we can really talk about next week because it's on November 5th, which is Friday, Saturday, Saturday. Friday night, Saturday morning. So that's the show with the Carl Anderson Hikaleo match. And we'll know if Carl's showing up based on whether he's in Saudi or not earlier that day, right? Because. Oh, yeah, yeah. We'll know. The Saudi show will be first. So, you know, obviously, if they do an angle on Raw to take him out of the match, well, he's going to Osaka and they worked something out. Um, 
But if you turn on, because I know Rich, you're going to be on top of the uh, the uh, crown jewel. I know you're going to be right. It's <laughs> not even what it's called. I guess that's when what you, it's called. Yes, of course. When you turn on the crown jewel on uh, on Saturday afternoon, <laughs> of and, course. Uh, I forgot I have to do it on a weekend afternoon. Sit there and slap my hands and, together and go, Ah, Rihad, look how beautiful it is. <laughs> and you hear the devil lay in the distance. I don't think they use that song in WWE, but the point remains. And he comes trotting out there with. Uh, suntan biker man well yeah he's not going to be in osaka so you know i think they're like 15 hour flights or something too it's a tough flight yeah it's tough so that you know that's how everybody will know for sure whether you know it'll be tipped off so that kind of sucks the drama a little when new japan has hikuleo in the ring you know doing his wrist rolls waiting for carl to come out well if he worked you know five hours earlier in uh where is it? Jetta? is it in Jetta? i think Rich, it's in rehad rehad right or wherever the fuck rehad i believe Right. So did, did they ever – is Jeddah even a city in uh, Saudi Oh, yeah, yeah. They've had ones in Jeddah. They had one in Jeddah. So that's why I said that because I think they've had them in Jeddah Yeah, before. oh, they've had a few. I don't know. I don't know oh. if there's like a – like is there a – is there like one is always in – like the crown jewel is always in – and then the other one – yeah, okay. I'm looking I'm looking this up now. I, 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 yeah, look it up. Look it up. Uh, the greatest Royal Rumble, the original, was in Jeddah. Super Showdown in 2019 was in Jeddah. An Elimination Chamber <laughs> – uh, ironic name. Uh, also in Jeddah. <laughs> so, uh, Rehad was Crown Jewel, Crown Jewel, Crown Jewel, Crown. Okay, so Crown Jewel is always in Rehad, and the other damn shows are always in Jeddah. So there you go. That's how you can. Because I know you you were at, at home. You're all clamoring to figure out how can I know if this is a Crown Jewel or another show. Well, now you'll know that uh, it is. Yeah, and uh, I, I think they should use that theme in WWE. That's a great song. Yeah, I was, I was at first. I'm like, what are you talking about? That I was like, oh yeah, right. It's a great theme. <laughs> Because it's also kind of like a boring song, but it, it lets you know what you're about to see. You know what I mean? Like, I like it, that theme for them. See, that's one of those good themes for a, a wrestler you don't want to well, watch. Yeah, because they come out and they're they like kind of look like motorcycle guys, but not really. Did you see uh, they changed Sean Spears' theme, which is a huge mistake. Oh, he had no. a great theme. Did they really? Uh-oh. Yeah. He don't have that, you know, whatever that was. The problem uh, is it was rap, too good of a, a theme. Rap then, song, I guess. Well, the problem was it was a really good theme, and then Sean Spears is going to come out and wrestle. Well, and that's like, my point. Oh. It, it was it was in the pantheon of great themes for bad wrestlers. <laughs> right. You're like, oh, right. <laughs> you know. So, so the I all-time, put the the all-time best is Natalia's theme. The all-time best is Natalia's theme. Still to this day, there's yeah. that pop every single time that yeah. people go, oh. oh. <laughs> It's like it, and four seconds later, people realize, oh, right, yeah, no, Brent Hart's not coming out. Pavlonian. <laughs> Pavlonian all the way. I've been in the crowd, too, where people have done that, and, yeah, it's 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 quite the sad moment. All right, so, uh, you know, we'll know earlier in the day whether uh, Carl's going to show up to <laughs> Lucy <Gunker> and <laughs> yeah. Is he still Suntan uh, Biker Man on Twitter, or is he not on No, anymore? no, no, no. I, I think he changed that years ago, but he... <laughs> But on this show, he's suntan biker man forever. I mean, you know, there's. Uh, uh, I was there's watching the. Uh, I was watching the, uh, the uh, Impact Wrestling Pluto channel the other day. I was like working on something. I had it on the background. They they it was like a seven hour video about aces and eights history. A lot of suntan. Watched biker a man. seven hour video about aces. <laughs> it was and out eights. in the background, so it's, it wasn't actually seven hours. It was just like two hours, and I just man that story. If you weren't alive you, during the uh, you, aces you and eights owe, era. You, do you owe Garrett money? I Why think I owe Garrett money. I do. I do. I owe Garrett a couple dollars at least. So. 
It was well, a good, yeah. It was all building up to it was all building up to the Jeff Hardy bully. You were there live. It was all bully, building up to the Alamo Dome. Yeah, Jeff Hardy versus uh, Bully Ray in the cage. That's right. I was there live. And then Bully turned. Yeah. Joey Ryan was on that show. <laughs> there's probably a lot of people that are on that show that aren't. Tug Coleridge. Yeah, there's a lot of people on that show that probably aren't uh, on shows anymore. You were you were at the actual Bound for Glory or whatever, right? Or what was it? Was it Lockdown Bound for Glory? I forget what it was, but lockdown and they are yeah i think it was lockdown no was it no was it bound for glory i don't remember it was in the alamo dome for sure in the alamo it was in lockdown yeah lockdown 2013 yeah there was six thousand people there (laughs) well that's a good crowd for that was a really good crowd for that Yeah, six thousand seven hundred they it says capacity on cage it says capacity six thousand seven (laughs) hundred I think I think the Alamo Dome. You can put a few more, a few more people. Yeah, the way it was when you put up, a, when you put four walls up so that half the arena is, you know, yeah. Then yeah. Then. I mean, there were sixty seven hundred seats available for sale. Yeah. I mean, yeah. technically, they, you know. Um, I will tell you, the Alamo Dome not particularly happy when Bully Ray turned heel uh, and joined uh, Aces and Eights, and not in the oh man, we're gonna pay money to see this guy get his revenge. More of the oh my god, here we go again. All right, you know, so it didn't uh, didn't help, but uh, I did. Uh, they did also show the uh, lethal lockdown. <laughs> it was. It was. I have it right now. It's Team TNA: Eric Young, James Storm, Magnus, Samoa Joe, and Sting versus the aforementioned Aces and Eights: Devon, the DOC, Suntan Biker Man, Garrett Bischoff, Nux, and Mister Anderson. Yeah, you know the best. Aces and Eights turn was Taz at the wedding. Do you remember that? Oh, yes, of course. I watched the video. Of course I did. Yeah, that was the best Aces and Eights turn. I, I That's genuinely... why this video was seven hours. They had to go through everybody turning. I mean, there was like 12 guys that turned to join Aces and Eights. It took a long time to do this video. I got to tell you, I didn't see that one coming. They got me with that one. I thought it was a lot of fun, the Taz turn during the uh, Brooke Hogan uh, <laughs> Bully Ray wedding. That was. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, 2013 yeah. impact was uh, was a thing for sure. Yeah, Bully Ray, 2012 Bully Ray was legitimately good. Yeah, I thought he was very good in 2012. The Austin Aries feud and 2012 was a good year for for TNA. Very a good legitimately year. good year for the company. You know, I was into it. The pay per views were good. The TV was pretty good. You know, then Aces and Eights came in and. You know, they kind of, it was all right, but they beat that to death and like usually happens with these things. Um, and the turns kept getting, they, it was clear they stopped having ideas of how guys should turn. And you, and you I, I don't know if you're being facetious about Taz's one, but if, if people don't remember seeing no, it. No, it was a fun turn. He was like a groomsman and yeah. they're like, you know, Bully, uh, do you take Brooke to be your lawfully, and she's like. I do, you know, and Bully Ray. <laughs> and it's like, Brooke, do you take it? He's like, no, 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 no. Taz just stops right in between and then takes off his tuxedo and he's wearing... <laughs> wearing the vest. The Aces and Aids vest. Yeah. <laughs> and that was it. That's just what they did. And then he just like, That's all it. of a sudden, like Tommy Dreamer and, and, and whatever started attacking people. And you're like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> They just stopped having ideas. They're like, I don't know. I just have them, I don't know, wear a suit and then the jacket's underneath. It's fine. Yeah, we don't. Really Fuck whatever. it. Aces and Eights needs an announcer. <laughs> right. Everybody's yeah. clamoring for a heel announcer. Nothing is better 
than a heel announcer that argues with Mike Tanay the entire time. It'll be great. People will love it. So Bullet Club, uh, not Bullet Club, uh, NWO redo needs an announcer. Since <laughs> I, this we- fucking guy. This is the guy that has the audacity to tell Tony Khan he doesn't know how to fucking tell stories every yeah. single week. Ah, you don't know how to tell stories. This guy did fucking the NWO 12 times and has the yeah. audacity. <laughs> <laughs> This one was just a ripoff of fucking Sons of Anarchy. It was Sons of Anarchy and NWO smashed together. Yeah, total ripoff. And this guy has the audacity to tell Tony Khan. He doesn't know how to fucking tell stories. Jesus Christ. Same goddamn story. <laughs> over and over again. Same beats all the way through. <laughs> yeah. Just the same shit. <laughs> this time with his son. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. With a little bit of... Yeah. Oh, God. Jesus Christ. All right. Well, that is... Uh, so. That's, oh, we should mention here. Rumble on 44th Street. That is the New Japan show that, uh, by the time most of you guys listen to this, uh, will be either happening the on Friday. It's fr- happening Friday night, so you will have either it already happened or you're uh, anticipating watching it this uh, uh, this Friday night. Also available at uh, VoicesOfWrestling.com slash fight as well. Uh, main event, Eddie Kingston and Okada versus uh, The Bullet Club, uh, Jay White and Juice Robinson. Shingo and El Fantasmo in a New York City street fight for the King of Pro Wrestling title. Uh, you got an SWA Undisputed Women's World Title match. Mayu Iwatani versus Kylan King. Oh, great. Yeah, I know you're waiting for that one. Fred Rosser uh, defending the New Japan Strong Openweight title. skip. As far as I can tell, question mark, question mark, question mark right now. I don't know if that's been revealed on, on uh, today's uh, show or tonight's show. Um, Nora Suzuki versus Clark Connors. Homicide, Shota Umino, and Wheeler Yuta versus Team Filthy. One of our favorite teams, Jarrell Nelson, yes. Royce Isaacs, and Tom Lawler. So Homicide getting a, a New Japan booking. Good for him. And then uh, New Japan Strong uh, Openweight Tag Team Titles, Aussie Open defending the titles against Kevin Knight and the DKC, as well as the Motor City Machine Guns uh, getting involved in that. Have to have a... You know, Rich, about 10 people are going to listen to this before that show I know, happens. I know, I know. I don't have to list every single You really one. didn't need to read that whole card, but I made you, I let you do it because, you know, you were on, on a roll. roll. I was on a roll. Well, don't yeah. forget about this. Chaos, Rocky Romero, and Yo versus yeah. the House of Torture show in Yujo Takahashi. So if that hey, doesn't you... depart with your $10, I don't know what will. Did you see the Gabe Sapolsky like descriptions of the matches on the New Japan website for Autumn Attack? Yeah, it's like we got like a special singles match, we got a grudge match, special offer. The, the tag like... match is called. Let me see what the tag match is called. It's a total Gabe thing. And then under that, it says like Aussie Open in action. It's a total <laughs> right in action. Total ROH fucking news yeah. update wire fucking gimmick. And uh, the tag match. Let me see if I could if it's still. Let me pull this up. So, uh, Autumn Attack. When's the date of this fucking show? The fifth. It's All right, here we fifth, go. Yeah. It's a uh, incredible tag match: Master <laughs> yes. Watto yeah. and Taiji Ishimori versus Despi and Hiromu. You know what's weird Sounds about incredible. that? Incredible. It does sound incredible. Well, here's the thing: it's the four guys in the match at the Tokyo Dome, which they for some reason announced already, right? And they're doing the can they coexist bullshit with guys that aren't in the same units. New Japan never does that. They don't. So maybe that's why it's called Incredible Tag Match. Incredible. You will not believe that El Desperado and Hiromu are teaming with one another. And then it says Aussie Open in action. (laughs) There you go. Two yeah, two matches of the New Japan World TV Championship Tournament semifinal. They can't announce that, but that's fine. But yeah, then Aussie action in open in action. Fred yeah. Yehai in action. <laughs> yeah, special grudge match. JD Drake versus that. To me, it reminds me more of the Evolve ones. Like the R- I guess the ROH yeah. ones were kind of the same. He the, did it in ROH. He did it in ROH too. It just was um, 
yeah, but but yeah, evolve. He really went the evolve because well, at the ROH one you would get like most of the, but ROH was or the evolve ones you would get like two matches and then just like six guys in action. Yeah, also appearing. <laughs> yeah, also appearing. Fred Yehai. And you can never just have a match and evolve. It had to be a special challenge match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Special or... grudge match. Special grudge yeah. match. Yeah. Couldn't but... just have a match. Special they, they, singles they match. All had a label, yeah. and then it would be. Um, like if he had a grudge match, then it would be grudge match two with two other guys. <laughs> like, like sometimes he'd have two special attraction matches or, or three in a rare case. Like you couldn't, he couldn't just have a match without a label. I guess he felt like it made everything feel special, but I, but I you guess know, what, when every match has a special, has a label, yeah. right. Like, Less so. And how special can you make, you know, I don't know, uh, uh, Tracy Williams versus... Uh, <laughs> Who's the magician you know. guy? <laughs> Tariq. Tariq. <laughs> you know, special challenge match. You know, and I, it, no one thinks that's special. Yeah, you hot know? sauce versus Tariq uh, 120 isn't exactly, you know... Yeah, you could just put that. We all know it's a prelim match. Like, you're not fooling anybody by putting special challenge match on there. Um, all right, let's do this Halloween Havoc and get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I guess we have um, to, yes. Um, all right, NXT Halloween Havoc. Uh, NXT 3.0? I don't know. What we're, what are we calling the now orange and yellow? I believe people are calling it 2.5. 2.5. NXT 2.5. There because, Rich, if you haven't noticed, it hasn't changed at it all. It hasn't fucking changed at all, by the way. What are we doing here? In this, fact, I would argue it's now worse. It is so, so much worse. This Halloween Havoc was not good at all. Uh, I watched like half of the episode of NXT TV leading up to it and then wanted to, you know, just cry because it was yourself. so bad. Yeah. yeah. It's terrible. Uh, watch this Halloween Havoc now. I, I, I caught up with it finally. It took me about nine tries to start the show uh, because it would start and then the lady would growl at me. Why is the lady growling at me still? They've changed all these people. There's new leadership. New people are in. New people are out. The lady is still growling at me. I just want to stop getting growled at. Everything about this show was I annoying. don't need to be growled at. There was a Halloween, there was a haunted house segment that I don't know why anybody. Who's that for? I, I, I'm asking a genuine question. Yeah, so people didn't see this segment. It's it's toxic attraction in a car, and they're just like driving up. To, how was it even built? I don't even remember how it was built up. But they're like in a car, and they're like, "I'm they're not driving. scared. Are you scared?" Like, no. Well, <laughs> no. Like, well, no. well, JC Jane. Clearly, Toxic Attraction number three <laughs> is clearly scared and knows this is a bad idea. The other two, though, like Mandy Rose is like, no, I'm going to go kick Alba Fire's ass. And, and um, Gigi's just a freak. So she's like, sure, let's do this thing. Yeah. Gigi is now dumb. I don't know if you've noticed that. Like, she's stupid now. Like, her gimmick is she's dumb. Yes. So she wants to go do it, too. But but Toxic Attraction three <laughs> knows this is a poor idea. Because there's going to be zombies and ghouls, and Alba Fire is just too dangerous to confront in this environment. But uh, Mandy Rose takes her there anyway. So they go to the haunted house. There's goblins. There's <laughs> zombies. There's ghouls. Yeah. There's random zombies holding axes, yet they still go into the house, which doesn't make it's just goofy. So they have like this cinematic match inside the house. They all split up. There's this comedy that none of it lands and none of it's funny. 
I don't know who this is Gigi's for. Gigi's a zombie at some point, and uh, yeah, they get you know the piano's playing itself. There's just all these really <laughs> bad gags that aren't funny. Yeah, but who who is sitting down on their Saturday night? Which, by the way, this took place on a Saturday night or whatever, yeah. which is unbelievable. Which the, the irony is, we did that entire show last week. We were like, well, uh, NXT announced uh, you know on on the same date as the Ring of Honor show, and we're gonna have to talk about an NXT special if it's happening. Uh, that was happening like three days later. This Halloween Havoc show, we all thought it was this week, and we just completely ignored it. So, which is probably well, I'm going to tell you what happens if I don't remember that there's a WWE show to talk about. You're real slick, and you won't bring it up because you don't want to talk about it. Well, I actually, so, I, I earnestly thought this was this week. I thought that Halloween Havoc was this week's. Oh, so you whiffed on the date? I whiffed on the date. I thought. Well, I just didn't know that they were having a special. I kind of thought it was like this week's because they do the thing TV. now where every single week they, they, they you know have a name for every single week so that you get tricked into watching it or whatever so yeah well i thought i just forgot about it when you asked me the topics like i was aware of it but forgot about it and i and after the fact i thought oh he's real slick he didn't want to preview it so he just kept his mouth shut <laughs> no, I, so i wish i was that i know I, I got completely i think it was it was i believe it was the swink your friend the swink in the chat like as we were signing off, was like, are you guys going to cover Halloween Havoc? And I was like, no. Oh, well. oh, no. Oh, well, whatever. Who cares? Yeah. Leave it to the swink. That yeah. know-it-all to bring it up. You know he, you know he's not going to forget. That guy, I don't know. He's challenging Andrew Rich for computer supremacy. That guy just fucking – he's either really fast on the Google or he just knows a bunch of – just remembers fucking everything. But um, I don't know who this haunted house shit is for. I have no fucking yeah, who, clue. Who was home on who? Saturday and was like, ha all right, let's see. Oh, how that's so funny. Let's see how Toxic yeah. Attraction gets out of this pickle. You know, like, yeah. It's... it's just hokey and corny and not funny and not entertaining and just dumb. It makes you feel embarrassed to be watching. No, I just want to like, watch wrestling. Just... Is it so bad that when I turn on a professional wrestling show, I get wrestling? Like. In WWE, it is. in WWE, it is, and that's it and, is. And we found out throughout these two and a half goddamn hours of this NXT Halloween Havoc. Yeah, so then so, they, they have this cinematic match in the haunted house, and then then they had a normal match. Too. Yeah, and then two hours later, Alba Fire drives up in the car with Mandy Rose in it from the haunted house, and then they finished the match in the ring, and it was atrocious, beyond bad, just awful. This show, Rich, this is the one that may have broke me. I might be done with WWE, and we might be able to boot it off the there show. It is. I, yes, yes. I can't watch this fucking company anymore. It's irredeemably bad. It's it, – it, I never – not only do I not enjoy myself when I watch any of this WWE shit, but I actively st- – I had a mental breakdown in our fucking Discord while I was watching this show to try to cope with having to watch this. I'm, for, I'm forcing myself to get through this show. It's so unwatchable, unwatchably bad that I'm hating. It ruined my fucking Saturday having to watch this. I hated this so much. There we are. That you're where There's... I'm at. You're you're where I'm at. <laughs> I think I, it started with the Royal Rumble, and then it was enhanced. Hell in a Cell was the moment where I was just like, I'm I, I'm just emotionally completely detached from this thing. And then Extreme Rules when you made when we had to watch that. I fucking hated that show so much that I was like, I'm, I, I cannot do this anymore. So yeah, maybe. Can you, can you imagine? They did Extreme Rules with all those stupid fucking uh, babies first hardcore matches. 
And then followed that up with this Halloween Havoc show with, with nothing but gimmick matches. Five more babies first man. <laughs> what is this company? I don't know. It's so bad. Why is everything a fucking hardcore match and a ladder match and a fucking coffin match and a fucking no ambulance match an ambulance match <laughs> and a street fight? Why is every match these things? And they all stink. Rich, Cora Jade and Roxy. Oh. <laughs> I mean, they just don't know how to work this kind of match. No, they're trying. They're sh- trying to be so nice to one another. When every time they're hitting each other, they're like, there was one part where Cora Jade went to go put the trash can on Roxanne Perez's head, and like it takes like a minute to do it, and Perez like covers her head while she does, it, and Cora Jade's like, eh, you know, just carefully placing it over her head or whatever. And I'm like, all right, how what, about what are we doing the? Here? How about this? And this annoys me. They may as well have WWE logos on all the weapons. You have the the the, the black chairs that aren't real chairs. Yeah, you have the Which, ladders that are. <laughs> can I tell you about you, the best, my favorite the, spot in that time? Go go through your thing, and then I'll give you my favorite spot in the entire match. You have the fake ladders that are specifically made for WWE that aren't real ladders. You have in this match, you had a chain, but it was covered in like that rubber casing. Yes, just so <laughs> just so no one gets hurt. Yeah, oh, you know, no, I can't have you it. have your you have your kendo sticks. Can't have a welt develop or anything. Yeah, that'd be terrible. They have their own branded fucking slew of weapons that are all gimmicked and everything. Now look, I'm not I'm not about people killing each other, but if you're gonna have these kinds of matches, they gotta get a little rough. They can't get, be all working all dainty and afraid to hurt each other. Then what the fuck is the point of having matches like this? There was no intensity. These two girls don't know how to work this kind of match. They're too inexperienced. I think Rock. Listen, I'm going to get in trouble for this. I think Roxy is massively overrated. I, I understand that everyone thinks she's a can't miss prospect. I don't know. She's fine. I don't see it. I think she's Cora, good for her experience and good. her age. But yeah, yeah I, I, I think we need to. You see future superstar here. I don't see future superstar. I, I see the potential there, but there's a lot of work that still needs to get done. A lot. Of and work. maybe it's the environment and the shitty company, and no one ever stands. Maybe that's it. Okay, Cora Jade, we've been down that road a million times. They couldn't work this kind of match. And why would anyone and then they break into the melodramatic shit at the end. You were never my friend. <laughs> you were never my friend. This Shawn Michaels <laughs> bullshit. I hate this company so much. I hate this we fucking can't company. Watch. Can we not watch? Can I really honestly we need to not watch these anymore. And, you know, the, the, the fucking in-match promos. And, then, <laughs> and and here's the thing. Let's not forget that these two alleged lifetime long-term friends were a tag team for 26 days. <laughs> they were a tag team. Go look it up. <laughs> I know. It's, Go look it up. They're making it seem like it was the breakup of, like... <laughs> You're acting like the fucking, like the fucking Heart Foundation broke up after six years on the road together. They were a tag team for 26 days. How can anyone give a shit about this or have any emotion over a team that was together for 26 days? And I'm supposed to give a shit? You were never my friend. I believe you. You were a team <laughs> I believe that you were friends, right. <laughs> I believe you, Cora Jade. Uh, I, I hate this fucking company. <laughs> it's so bad. It's it. It's you know what it is. It's if some theater troupe 
wanted to do a send-up of pro wrestling and went on the road. This is what it would look like. WWE, specifically NXT. People pretending to do pro wrestling. That's what these matches all look and feel like. There's no intensity. In NXT, everybody fucking stinks. It's the fake melodrama that Shawn Michaels fucking shoehorns into every match because it's all he knows. And every, every kick out is NXT face too. Oh, every single kick out is hip toss one, two, no. And then the person goes, oh, <laughs> thought I had him. It's two minutes into the match. Like, there's plenty of time. Oh, how about when have, they came? What more do I have to do? Well, I don't know. Some few more moves, maybe. Like, how about when they came back from the haunted house and Vic Joseph did quiet voice? <laughs> he was like, he was like, uh, he's like. <laughs> By the way, Vic Joseph wearing his he's, cool guy clothes. He's, yeah, he's he, the amalgamation of the old Vic Joseph, which yeah. is kind of a dork, and the new Vic Joseph, uh, the, like the NXT 2.0 Vic Joseph, that was like, "Hey, hey, fellow children, how are you?" Like, yeah. So he's the wearing double point to the camera. Hey, hey. <laughs> right. So he's wearing. He's got like a jack lantern shirt and a leather jacket over it. So he's like, kind of a dork, but also cool. <laughs> just... Cool guy. Right. Cool guy, Vic Joseph. What up, fam? How are you? NXT yeah. 2.0. Yeah. yeah. And Booker T, who doesn't give a fuck? He don't know nothing. He don't yeah, care he about nothing. He doesn't know who any of these people are. He don't know who they are. And he's not about he's to not find his... out who they are either. He's rocking his Shad Khan mustache these yeah. days. Yeah, all he does. He goes, right? oh, this guy's got potential. I love him. You know, that's what he does for every single guy. I like, I this, like guy. this guy. I like this guy. That's all he says. This guy can go all the way with his gravelly voice <laughs> right. and his Shad Khan mustache. Right? He said that about Ilya and McDonough like three minutes into the match and then said it like six more times. Like, I'm telling you, Vic, these guys got potential. They're going to make it in this business. Yeah. Like, he don't right. know who they are. There's First no time clue, he ever watched them. No clue. First time he laid eyes on them. No clue, Booker T. <laughs> His Fab so Five God, got I, about 27 deeper uh, on this night, too. He, he added a lot of people to his Fab Five, I'll tell you that. So. Holy. Which he's still using the Fab. Isn't that like a reference to like that? F- well, there was some phone plan that you, if you added people to your. Yeah. If you were in, if, if someone was in your Fab Five, it didn't count against your minutes. <laughs> that was like. It was like 2004. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. He's using that. He's still using that as a reference. And I just realized there's like a whole generation that has no fucking earthly idea what that means. When's the last time you had a phone plan with minutes? (laughs) (laughs) Fab five. (laughs) He had like at least 15 people to his Fab five too, which I like. It's Grayson Waller. I like him. He's in my Fab five. All right. So then Roxanne Perez beats her with like the world's softest power bomb into the, the chairs. And then has to stand there with the goofy NXT smile face that they all have to do after <laughs> they win just, the match. Yeah, sit there and celebrate. Remember when, when Toxic Attraction won the ladder match for the tag titles? And <laughs> Toxic, up there for 14 minutes. Yeah, Toxic Attraction 3 and fucking Priscilla Kelly had to go on top of the ladder and just do that smile into the camera and then they they would occasionally look at each other and smile and nod and then look back at the camera and then look at each other and smile and nod all other hold the title up it's just it's just overproduced cartoon bullshit 
is what it is. I feel like I'm watching a fucking cartoon. There's bright colors all over the Chucky, place. Chucky's there. Chucky's there. <laughs> Booker T is anywhere but there. It, it's just it, it's it's fucking WWE branded weapons everywhere in every fucking match. It, it it's so bad, and I and the one two punch of extreme rules in this show have broken me. I can't watch it anymore. I watched all these fucking Raws and Smackdowns, waiting for this triple this alleged Triple H era to. to, to to see what others were seeing, and it never got better. And by the way, I'm victory lapping that because those shows fucking stink now. And now everybody admit no one defends them anymore. No one even does the thing anymore where they're like, oh, did you hear that? They said wrestler. We're not even doing that <laughs> right. anymore. Those matches were all eight minutes longer than they were last week. This new era is great. <laughs> I was right all along. Right, right, yeah. Okay, no one's even doing that anymore. Even that dope Louis Dangor doesn't waste his time pretending these shows are good anymore. Okay? And all of his ilk. But this one-two punch of Extreme Rules and this show have broken me. I don't know if I can do this anymore. It makes me physically unhappy <laughs> to watch these shows. <laughs> yeah, I laugh because I, 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 I cry. It's... It, uh... No, I, th- this one's two punch. You're absolutely right. Because I hated Extreme Rules. And when it was done, I was like, fuck, I don't want to have to watch these ever again. Uh, and then having to... Like I said, I had to start this show like nine times. Or, and I would start watching it, and then I would just find something else to do. I would say, no, you know what? <laughs> Silly me. I got to take the garbage out. So I'd stop, and I'd go do something else. And I'd say, ah, you know what? I got to make tomorrow's lunch. Let me get – and it just – until today, like two hours before we went on the show, I finally fucking hit play uh, on this Halloween Havoc show and finally watched it. And uh, I am uh, worse off for it. Definitely. You know, the run the runtime on this show was four hours and six minutes. And it wasn't, Rich. The runtime was two hours and thirty. Can you believe this was only two hours and thirty minutes? This show felt, I re- I, I felt like I watched this show from the moment I woke up Saturday until I went to bed. It felt like this show never fucking ended. And I looked at the runtime, and it was two thirty-six, and I'm like, they're lying to me. This show had to be like seven hours long. It sucked so bad that it felt three times as long as it really was. They have a casket match for some reason between Apollo Crews and Grayson Waller. They go out there and have a two-star casket match. They don't know what to do. They're like, why are we in a fucking casket yeah, match? They did not seem to be uh, into burying each other into a casket and ending one's life uh, at any point. But yeah, they. So we do an ambulance match with the fucking Creed and and the fucking uh, Steve Kemp. Kemp. Damon Kemp, yeah. The good, so the good, the good we... Stevenson brother, apparently, which is yeah. Not so good. what are we doing? We're hitting each other with kendo sticks again and yeah. using the black fake WWE chairs and the same old fucking shit. And one that of I've the worst stipulations, the by the way, one of the worst stipulations ever: the ambulance match. There's no reason it, we ever need to do an ambulance match ever again because they park this thing. If you didn't, if you didn't see this, they park this thing like 25 feet away from the ring. There's a bunch of fake fans next to the ambulance that are clearly just NXT, you know, trainees or whatever, that are pretending they're excited to be standing next to an ambulance. <laughs> you know, like, why would you be? They're like, yeah, yeah, woo, 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 because they're like next to an ambulance. Okay, cool. <laughs> and then they have to do, it's like an ambulance match, which we all know sucks. Like, I thought we knew that in 2000 when Vince Russo booked these things, that they're a fucking terrible, terrible uh, uh, match type. But a guy gets hit, and then you have to, like, Put him, drag him to the ambulance then, and then put him in the ambulance, and then close the door. So what you do is you put the guy in the girl, you, you do a move, you do a 
power bomb, and then you put the guy on a gurney, and then you you wheel the gurney to the ambulance, and you try to close the door. But no, he stops it with his hand. Yeah, he <laughs> stops like, it with his hand every time. Yeah, yeah. You do that seven times, and then the match just ends eventually. So. so then you grab your WWE-branded weapon chair and hit him with it a few times and try to soften him up. Um, and then the idea is to beat your man so viciously that he has to be taken from the arena in a stretcher, but it's never that. It's how can I trap this guy in the ambulance and trick him right, they're and never make dead. sure he can't get out. Yeah, they're never right. dead and like because th- the idea would be that you incapacitate your opponent so much, like you said, that that you could that just the paramedics his... have to come get him and right. then he's fucking yeah. No, it's never that. It's <laughs> can I shut the door before he sticks his yeah, hand? Can in I him? lock the door so he can't get his yeah. hand out? Yes. Right, and then the siren, <laughs> the siren goes on and fucking dry. It drives up the fucking entranceway. <laughs> to God, a local it medical sucks. <laughs> Oh, so can I give you my best spot in the uh, what? It, it wasn't a weapon. It was a weapons wild match, Joe. I don't know if you knew that. The uh... Rich, all these matches were the same fucking thing. <laughs> I know, I know. The next time, if I never want to see anybody hit each other with a fucking kendo stick ever again, but here we are uh, in the weapons wild match. Uh, Roxanne Perez and, and Corey Jade are throwing chairs in the ring because they're so mad at each other. So the, there's like nine chairs in the ring. Uh, so Roxanne Perez goes to grab a chair, but right as she does, Corey Jade steps on the chair. And then Roxanne Perez goes, ah, 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 because yeah, she's yeah. trying to get away. Yeah, the Or to grab action. the chair. Yeah. yeah. Just let go and grab another chair. She's yeah. just standing on it. There's nine chairs in the ring. <laughs> you don't need this particular chair because her idea was, ah, I'm going to grab this chair and hit Cora Jade with it. But then Cora Jade stands on it. So Roxanne Perez goes, ah, because she's trying to get the chair loose from Cora Jade's, you know, feet. Just let go. Grab another yeah. chair. <laughs> yeah. I, the I, ring's I, full of them. <laughs> I blame Onita. I blame uh, FMW. I blame ECW. <laughs> Mr. Danger. It's Mr. Danger's fault. I wish none of that shit ever happened because that's why we're still enduring this bullshit today. We've gone from Onita to Cora Jade and Roxy fucking hitting each other with fake WWE weapons and, and screaming, you were never my friend. This is what we were doing now. Yeah. This is where it's got. This is the evolution. I hate these fucking matches. And you know what? I hate this fucking company. I hate their fans. I hate the people who like it. I hate the people who are in the ring. I hate it all. I hate Peacock. (laughs) I can't stand any of this. I I don't mind Peacock. I won't lie. As a fan of Unsolved Mysteries and uh, 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 Forensic Files, I do enjoy Peacock. Peacock can eat shit. I hate Peacock. I hate it all, Rich. I can't. It broke me. I don't know if I can do it anymore. <laughs> do, you, do you want to know and, the, and, the best? The, the, the thing, part that broke me more than anything on this show, that's interrupt you, is it started out. We had the video. It's like, ha, 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 Halloween have. <laughs> oh, my God. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> all right. Let's see. I can do this. I can do I have to. I have to talk myself through these. Do, do you have to do that now with WWE shows? I'm like, I got, I have. this is my job. I got to do this. It's okay. I will find stuff to talk about. I'll be okay. So then it's like, ha, 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 ha. And then Shotzi shows up. And she's wearing the fucking Joker. I just said last week, I'm done with the Jokers. No more ladder matches. No more Jokers. What do I get in three minutes when I start this fucking file is I get the Joker and a ladder match. I'm done. I want no more of these ever again. Uh, No more ladder matches. No more Jokers. No more kendo sticks. Please. That's all I'm asking. Can I confess something to you? 
three minutes in, skip the ladder match. Fuck that. I'm not <laughs> it, watching these ladder matches anymore. It was, I won't lie, it was okay, but it, yeah, it was, you know. I don't care. Yeah, I don't want to see them anymore. I'm with you. Did you see the segment with Shotzi, the super diva guy, and Lash Legend? <laughs> I did. No, the, the swink. The swink's in the note of Sharon. No, she was Beetlejuice later, but she was the fucking Joker at the beginning. Don't Halloween have explained me. Don't try me. this, swink. Don't Halloween have explained me. I just watched this fucking thing, all right? Don't try it, swink. <laughs> you can't. She was the Joker at the beginning of the show, and then she changed later to the Beetlejuice. And that's the segment Joe was talking about now. The super diva guy was a banana. She was Beetlejuice, and then the Lash Legend came out, and that segment never fucking ended. She got with the tank. You forgot to mention the tank came out. Oh, well, well, you, well you listen. She went, had to... and then drove her little tank out. Yeah. We, we had to set up Shotzi versus Last Legend. Got it. Oh, did. you got to tell yeah. stories. You know, this is why the company that yeah. tells stories. Ah, because they tell great stories like this. Yeah. Great stories. Great stories. That's super divas annoying, too. I can't stand that guy. I reviewed Level Up a few times behind the paywall and buried him. I can't believe they called him up. He stinks. Um... I, I just I can't I can't do it anymore. And then the main event. By the time you get to the main event, it's like you don't want to be watching anymore. Then the main event's so long. The main event was fine. It was fine. It was also a three. I, I want no more three ways. <laughs> I want no more candlestick. This. this this show gave me everything that I hate about wrestling: the Joker, people dressing up as the Joker, ladder matches, kendo sticks, and three ways. And we got all those things. Thank you for and just plundering, just people hitting each other with shit. Which this so yeah finally you get to the main event here and and, and you don't want to watch it that's the problem no and it's you, like guys that I you know I enjoy watching their work you know I enjoy them personally but uh you know JD McDonough I I think is a good wrestler Ilya Dragunov I, is of course a good wrestler and then Braun Breaker which we got to talk about old Braun here um oh the fact he gets booed most the, of the uh, time the Capital Wrestling Center whatever the hell they're calling the uh, NXT crew right now. Uh, they announced Braun Breaker. Uh, there's some booze, and then all of a sudden, there's a lot of cheers. All of a sudden, some weird uh, hollow cheers uh, yeah. that come out right after everybody starts booing him. Uh, people don't like this guy. They are not wow. into the Braun Breaker in the uh, NXT universe. I'll tell you that. Now he gets booed on TV all the time, um, and that's the easiest crowd. That crowd wants to like everything. That's the easiest crowd in wrestling, and um, you know, and and he gets booed most of the time. Now, some nights he gets cheered, but most of the time he gets booed. He was booed on this night. They 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 were into Dragunov, and they were into JD McDonough too. I don't know what. And obviously, they, the story is not designed for them to be into them, but they right. were into him. But they were not into Braun Breaker, and that's something that you've been talking about for a while. And it really was evident to me on this Halloween Havoc show, where he came out, and there was a lot. You know, it. it and the crowd sweetening was very obvious in this too, because they, you know, the growling lady would go Braun Breaker, yeah. and then you'd hear boo, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and all yeah. of a sudden the, the fucking the fucking plane tur- engine turns on, the hair dryer turns on, and all of a sudden people are cheering for him. But yeah, you could see in the crowd there a lot of people are are that interested. And then they have a back and forth match, and it's it's WWE three way where most of the time another guy's outside of the ring selling, and then he'll run in and break up a pinfall throw another guy out of the ring, then they'll start having a one-on-one. Why have a three-way if that's all you're going to do? But uh, regardless, uh, it ends. Braun Breaker gets the win. <clears throat> and then when he's done, I, I was telling you this because I, I just finished it right when we got on the air here. Braun Breaker gets the one, two, three. 
and they cut to the crowd, assuming that they were going to get people that were like, yeah, Ron Baker won. They cut to the crowd, and it's two 15-year-olds that are like, ah, damn it. Disappointed. <laughs> they're disappointed yeah. that Ron Baker won. You can see they cut to him, and they're like, oh, man. <laughs> they make a, a, a face, and, a, and they're just – and then they immediately cut back, and then the you know the, the hairdryer has to turn on of everybody cheering for Ron Baker. But, uh, yeah, they're kind of fucking around and, and finding that – I don't know. I don't know. I don't and think he's fine. Yeah, I mean, but this match was designed to give you as much of Ilya and JD doing what they do, and a lot less of Braun doing what he does. Which is, really do you cool. notice they stripped Dragunov of all of the Soviet and communist imagery? They did. Yeah, he's not a communist. He is not a Soviet. <laughs> he just likes he's... classical music now. He's just a guy yeah. who likes classical music. So. He doesn't have the red contact lenses. You know, he's uh, completely stripped of all of that. Um. Yeah, Braun Breaker, look, you well, know what he's going to be. Here's the thing with the Braun Breaker thing, and, and they're doing it with Booker as well. We're going way over time, and then we'll end it here in a sec. Is the entire time Booker T is going, oh, I know his dad. I know I, I, I've done the road with the Steiner brothers. I've done the road with Rick and Scott. And I... Yeah. Why is he still Braun Breaker? Uh, it's so stupid. If we're all going to say that he's a Steiner. Right. If Booker T is going to say he's a Steiner. If Vic Joseph's well, going to say he's a Steiner. Why is he Braun Breaker? The, well, I'll give you the answer. The answer is actually pretty logical and it makes sense when you really think about it. The reason he's still Braun Breaker is because WWE is irredeemably bad and it fucking sucks. <laughs> That's go. why All he's right. still Braun Breaker. Um, there, there is now, there's nothing that this company does that appeals to me or that I enjoy on any level whatsoever anymore. I hate every single thing about this company. Everything. I hate the commentators. I hate the ring announcers. I hate the production. I hate the wrestling. I hate the interviews. I hate uh, the, their promo style. I hate the way the shows are presented. I hate the way the shows are paced. I hate the video packages. I hate everything about this company with every fiber of my being. And there's nothing about this company that I enjoy on any level whatsoever. They're pushing Dominic. Dominic! How can you enjoy any of this? It's awful. It sucks. Well, I've been told that they, oh. uh, Joe. I got, I got a way that I know that you're going to care about WWE again. Uh, I've been told that a uh, little bit of a scoop ski here. That uh, <clears throat> I don't know if this is a scoop or, or just people know it, it. I guess a little bit of a spoiler, but uh, Chelsea Green is uh, finishing up her Impact bookings and will be uh, WWE bound. So, oh, great. So, add it to the Infinity Stone. Another, <laughs> another yeah. one of of Paul's conquests someone else i never want to watch ever again great add her to the list he's done it again get her in there with b-fab it'll be fantastic can't wait bart scott can't wait god fuck this company god it sucks it does suck all right there's no prayer i would fucking watch this if we didn't do this show yeah well i think we need to now just there and you brought up a great point in Discord. There is so much wrestling we don't watch. I, there, there are indies. There's history. There's old Japanese wrestling. There's old American wrestling. There, there is an unlimited number of hours. Of, like I, something I wanted to do this week was Gerard is on our website, voicewrestling.com, is doing the All Japan Fifty for Fifty. He's doing a match that represents every single year in New Japan or All Japan Pro Wrestling history. And I'm thinking, man, I really want to watch those. Not I can't. I gotta watch Hotline Havoc. Why why would I I was I was not letting myself watch fifty years of a great promotions history with all these great matches and all these great moments, all these great because I'm watching Cora Jade and, and Roxy 
you know, the wrestling one-on-one project. There's even a few matches I haven't seen yet. And I'm like, oh, cool. I'll watch those. No, can't. I'm watching that. We got to stop. We just have to stop watching this WWE stuff. Maybe, I guess, Rumble and Mania, right? Is that we have to at least do those? SummerSlam, Rumble, Mania? We got to do them all. Oh. We got to do it. How, oh. how can we not do it? I just have to accept my fate. I'm a beaten man. I Do we have to do Survivor Series War Games? I can't. Joe, after that. Oh, my God. I cannot I watch the war game. It's war game. Oh, no, you're right. <laughs> each other with kendo sticks. I'm not doing it. It sucks so bad. I'm not doing it. Oh, it's going to suck. Oh, it's going to be so the bad. The lights are going to go off. The cage is going to lower. Do, 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 do. More fake black chairs. To watch, you know. Uh, <laughs> they're gonna hit it. Yeah, I'm not doing it. I don't want to watch. Do it. We can't do that one. We can't. Do I don't want to watch it. I don't <laughs> want to watch. We don't have to. We don't uh, have to. We do have to. <laughs> Damn it! How can we not? <laughs> the trash can lids. Always. Nobody uses those style trash cans anymore. Why do they have so many of those trash cans? Because, like I said, they're fake. <laughs> Where, they when's have the last own... time, Joe, that you have seen one of those steel trash cans in the wild? And they're listen. And they're not even real aluminum trash can. They have their own fake produced fake <laughs> weapons in this company. It's it's everything is so the entire operation and production feels so inauthentic because it is. There's no real emotion. There's even the weapons aren't real. Nothing feels authentic. It's the same shit. <laughs> That it's been forever. It, nothing has changed with Vince gone. If you didn't know any better, you'd think he's still running everything. Well, and there, there has been uh, a lot more people are, are kind of saying that is Vince. Like, I guess they're trying to rationalize why nothing has changed, and now we're starting to get like, is Vince talking to these guys about? I this? demand that people tell me I was right. Yeah. Well, no, that's never happening. But all of them. They should line up. My DMs are open. Send them to Rich. He loves getting DMs. I love it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Rich love loves getting DMs about me. That's his favorite <laughs> That's one thing. of my favorite topics is, uh, particularly if you're mad at me because of you, is, is fantastic. So yes. please do that if you can. Anyway, we have gone way over time with this horrific NXT Halloween Havoc show, uh, and we all need to get off the line and cry anyway that has been another episode of the flagship podcast that was our halloween havoc review uh he is joe i am rich voices of wrestling.com for reviews previews columns flagship patreon.com for all of our bonus audio if you have not gotten enough of us you can do so at flagship patreon.com five dollar tier ten dollar tier five dollar tier is going to get you all of the wrestling observer newsletter hall of fame content that we have gets you all of our retro content gives you the thursday dynamite reviews and so much more ten dollar tier gets you all of the live shows instant reaction live flagship live as well as all of our written content as well and then we also get news and other reports as they come in as well flagship patreon.com five dollar tier or ten dollar tier for you and that uh that's gonna do it so i think we are out of here so that is it for joe lanza i'm rich Krejci. we'll talk to you next time on the flagship podcast take care
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. <laughs> 